Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chaskovsky here with Caleb Peterson. I had to go, I had to go anger bike. I just like biked up a hill um, because <laughs> I was so mad. I was up 20 goddamn points. Tyree Kill sucks. God damn it. <laughs> I'm so mad. And I, I thought I was going to be rich. <laughs> Fill an entire parking structure with that. Fill an entire baseball stadium. Yankee Stadium is filled with Lambos. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on the Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chaskovsky here with Caleb Pearson and shortly we will be breaking down all the sports related news, rumors, and drama that you will want to hear about. Coming up in this podcast we will be having Flames Talk with a very, very special guest and then a Black Monday segment for all of the coaches who have fallen in the last year featuring another very, very special guest, Loaded Week this week. Then we'll go and maybe break down the Cutter Gauthier, Jamie Drysdale trade and all the drama around that. Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Fresh Take Network, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter as we have new content coming out on each and every one of those platforms every single week. And Caleb, did you know that only 90.4% of our YouTube viewers are subscribed? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> man, just makes my makes my blood boil. Oh, makes boy. your blood boil, Caleb. On, what are you gonna on, do guys. if that number doesn't go up? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in in the other ocean. I'm gonna jump in the other ocean if it goes up. Actually, people want to see me jump in the ocean. That's so true. Do it. That's true. What um, number do we have to get to for Caleb to jump in the other ocean? Seventy-five. You had, if you if you put put from ninety to seventy-five, I'll. I'm going to the Atlantic. I'm booking a ticket to like St. John's. You hear that, so, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a you can. That's you a can. <laughs> oh my God! You can make Caleb fly across. The, he lives in Vancouver. Just to point that out, he's flying across country here. Jesus Christ! I I was setting you up to go like you know low on that one. Why do you always do this to yourself? Because <laughs> I think it's really funny. Um, when I have to do these things, and it's like I don't know, I'm sure I'm sure Flair Airlines can send me across the country for like fifty bucks. <laughs> oh God! Can't be that hard. Oh, can't be that hard. Jesus Christ! All right, into the segments. Anyways, subscribe. Subscribe. If you want to see me in the Atlantic Ocean? All right. So today we're going to start off with something that we teased a little bit. On the last episode, we gave a, a little bit of a taster. You may have, if you follow us on Instagram, not to give not to give the shout out too early, you've seen a couple other teasers for this. But we have a very special segment today. Um, we're going to be talking about all things Calgary Flames, talking about um, what to do with pending UFAs, expectations for the rest of the season, what to do with the trade deadline, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and to do that, we have brought on the first guest in trick play history and this is a this is a, a big deal uh so we got a drum roll give it up for anand unitha who's coming on to talk flames with us today get the big reveal whoosh whoosh the fancy editing how's it going anand there we go yeah good evening simon and caleb excited to be here with you all on trick play podcast thanks for inviting me yeah for sure i i'm excited to do this because i 
Like, I came on your show last week and we had a good time talking about the Flames. I'm excited to continue that conversation here. Because there's a lot going on with the team right now. There's a lot just overall going on just across the board. A lot of good things, a lot of not so good things. So I'm curious what both of you guys have to say on it. I have a short list that I mentioned to you guys before that we can try and hit on. See what we can see where we can get on all that. Because I'm curious what your guys' opinions on it is going to be. Because I know a lot of the fan base is very divided, especially on a lot of these topics. I think there's definitely two camps to be had a little bit where a lot of people are picking a side and just not really not really hearing the other so i'm i think we're gonna have a lot of differing opinions on this podcast which i'm excited for but uh if we want (laughs) to start right at probably the more most interesting thing and probably the biggest topic i've seen especially on twitter lately or x or whatever is the ufas which is hannafin lindholm tanev mainly those are the big three that everybody's talking about so i was really curious on what you guys think that they should be doing with them because i know a lot of people want them to come back a lot of people really 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 don't i'm so i'm curious to hear what you guys have to say anand i'll let you go first on this one do you have a preference on what you want to see coming up expect from craig conroy's office all right so lindom hanafin and chris tanev so lindom is a forward uh he has been chosen as the all-star candidate pick for this year's flame season uh, so it will be interesting to know what he can put through uh, with the all-star season um, the the trade deadline is March 8th uh, so we can wait a little bit on uh, Lindholm right now especially because we have few other forwards that are coming waiting to come into the flames lineup including Jacob Pelche so I'm kind of undecided on allies and Lindholm right now and between the two, Hanafin and Kristanov, both of them being defenders. Uh, Kristanov, you know, he's great at blocking shots. He had an all-time high blocking shots a couple games ago. Uh, Noah Hanafin put a multi-point game last game. Uh, that was against, I believe, Ottawa Senators. He put a multi-point game. So both of them looking great right now. But if I were to really choose and say, I would have one of them traded away, maybe uh, Chris Tanov, uh, if possible, um, because he's kind of like injury prone. Uh, he's already about 30 years old and Hannafin still has the young in him. Uh, and that is Craig Conroy's office statement at the beginning of the season. They said they wanted young people. Uh, young guns into the lineup. So I would say keep Hanafin uh, if they can make a good contract deal and Tanov maybe trade away for a good return. Yeah, that's my thoughts on those three. Caleb, if you want to take it next, I can wait till the yeah. end. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point because I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, because my, my general kind of opinion in terms of what the Flames should do, and I, I, I kind of think this is a, a good organizational philosophy to have just broadly um is if you have these guys who are pending ufas you want to get something for them as opposed to just letting them walk um so uh, on the side of because yeah again the big big three lindholm tanifin lindholm tanif and hanifin um i think i think anandji make a good point in terms of like hanifin being i think the best core piece to build around for the flames if they're gonna keep any one of those three guys like i i agree with what you say not because he's like he's he's the one who i could see most um 
who's most kind of primed to transition into the next era of Flames hockey that I see revolving a lot around youth because while Hanif Hannafin isn't um, like the super young player by any means, he's no Chris Tanev and he's still got a lot of good years left in him. So I'm, I'm saying like, I think it has to do because management obviously has a lot bigger of it, a lot uh, more information than we do. Is Hannafin interested in resigning? We don't know. Um, is that if that's not a road he wants to go now, then if I'm Craig Conroy, you got to trade him. But if he's interested in coming back, that's definitely something I'd entertain. Lindholm and Tanev, on the other hand, I think Lindholm especially, I think you need to get value for him now. I think him getting an all-star selection is a blessing in disguise because um, I, as I think Simon, you guys discussed a little bit on uh a non-show like the validity of him being an all-star um it's for the people who have watched the flames this season they know he's probably not the most deserving candidate but it's almost a blessing in disguise to say um Craig conroy shopping him to other teams saying look we've got an all-star forward that um we can give you middle of the season how many teams can offer that give us your first round picks yeah. um <laughs> so um if they can get value for him now then do it like because i don't think you should bring him back he's been on the decline um there's lots of like that's that have shown that since a lot of his more elite line mates have left his production has decreased quite a bit um so if you can get any sort of value for him now do it because that's um because a he either walks away in free agency and this is a terrible decision either way because you don't get anything for him or you keep him and then need to get rid of him later and you get even less because he isn't playing as well as he used to. So I think the peak time to trade him, I mean, was probably a little while back, but get as much value for him as you can now. Tanev, there's probably not as much value there considering his age, like you brought up and on. But if, it, it's another thing where it's just like, if you can get value out of these guys before they go to free agency, do it. And unless it's a player like Hannafin, where you're seeing as a part of your core for the next like four to five years, um, then you don't have any intention of keeping them past like really short term, get value for them now, get younger. That's something the Flames have been terrible at doing for the last, um, probably the last like decade in terms of getting younger and actually building around young talent. Um, so I'd love to see Con Craig Conroy start making that step by trading some of these guys for picks and prospects and actually hitting the reset button for once instead of just kind of waffling around in mediocrity. Yeah, and I don't necessarily disagree with you either. I think I have a very similar philosophy when it comes to that stuff. I, the obvious pick on who to trade, if you had to trade one of the three, if you could only resign two and tr had to trade one, the obvious pick right there is Tanev. I think that's the main consensus, trade Tanev, trade Tanev, right? But I, I personally have a hard time doing that. Anand, you made an excellent point on his shot blocking ability, but not only that, but his defense as a whole, I think that the, he really is one of those players that you can put any defenseman with, and that he's going to make that other guy look really, really good, and that speaks levels to how good of a player I think he is. So I have a really hard time giving up Tanev, personally. I think if you could bring Tanev back on a team-friendly deal, I would love to have him back. How realistic that might be, probably not. It's probably not too good. So I think that... Uh, I think that you got to probably move him as crappy as I th personally might think it is. If anybody I think is coming back, I think I agree with you, Caleb. It's probably Hannafin. I think I would love to see Hannafin come back because, like you said, he has a lot of his better years, I think, still ahead of him. He's a younger guy. I, uh, I'm a I've been a big fan of him ever since he's come to Calgary. So I'd love to see him come back, I even if you have to pay him. 
you're getting a good top four defenseman for the rest of his career, most likely. I think the one person you have to talk the most about and probably have the most interesting conversation about and is and is exactly the reason I'm bringing his stats up on the screen is Elias Lindholm and just the fact that he's the one player here who wants the biggest contract and you can probably get the most for, at least in my opinion. Like you mentioned, he's an all-star this year. Throw him out on the market. We have an all-star available, guys. <laughs> we, we Come take our all-star. Like, uh, but 26 points in 41 games is one of his worst paces he's had since he's become a flame or in the NHL as a whole. I know he started peaking once he came here, but even this is, I think this might even be worse than his pace when he was on the Hurricanes, I believe. I could probably check that as well. It's just not a very good season for him, which is why I've personally been intrigued to why he was personally picked at least this season to be the all-star for the flames it's a bit of an interesting choice at least in my opinion but uh i think you got to trade lindholm if if anybody if you have to let tanev walk you have to let tanev walk but you have to you have to try and get something for lindholm because right now is more than you will ever get for any other of these players at least in my opinion i'm curious what you guys have to say mostly on the tank that a lot of people want the flames to go on i it's been a very controversial term especially in the city a lot of people believe that ownership do not want to tank at all if at all possible i know um it's just not something that a lot of people in the building want to do a lot of people disagree with that just as a whole so i'm curious again if we want to go around the round table a little bit here that we've kind of got going on uh what your guys's opinion on trying to go all in this season whether you try and bulk up here at the trade deadline add a couple more pieces rush for that pacific wild card spot or do you try and sell a little bit maybe try maybe a little bit late for celebrini but you can still get a really really good player potentially here so i'm curious what you guys have to say on it i'll let anand you can go first on this one yeah uh good question simon um it's gonna be an interesting season like we just uh, said right now uh, for the Flames, uh, but are we going for the tank? Obviously, there are two sides for that. I want to see where we get these a uh, few of the trades done and get the young picks and then push into play Flames playoff run. Obviously, because this is my first whole season as a Flames fan, I don't want to be disappointed. I want to see the red mile go on. I don't know how long I'll be able to stay as a Flames fan. There are many others in the same boat as well. When can we possibly see a Flames playoff run? And right now, with the younglings they have right now, uh, for example, uh, Konazari, Pospisil, uh, giving them an opportunity to get into the playoff, it will feel so good for them because they put the hard work in so far all this season. Uh, it's the young guys that are shining. There is uh, even uh, we are waiting for Jacob Pelcher to return. Oliver Shillington might come back to the Flames. So make it, making it remarkable for them at least that one season we can make it remarkable for them memorable for them. So I say push for the playoff run. Uh, if you come out few points short it's a reality, but make it happen. Uh, make those trade moves, uh, push the playoff season, and then we'll see what happens next. Uh, but going into team tank, looking for Celebrini or somebody else, 
it will be a little disappointing. Um, then we might see maybe Zari or Possible not wanting to stay with the Flames if they go down the losing road because they're the one putting all the effort. So that's what I think. Caleb, over to you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, the reality of... I mean, it, it, it's never... It's never tanking in terms of like the players will never tank like like i, I think it's important to realize like, like tanking is a management decision in terms of um in terms of not fielding the best possible line if you can and just and and doing stuff like trading away assets like lintholm and tanov and hanif and that will that make your team better in the short term but i do think it's important to look at the long-term picture here um because i think there's some important important things to think about is um yes well obviously um going on a massive skid to end the season and improving our draft stock but ultimately having a really shitty end to the season that's not going to be fun um for flames fans for the players for nobody and i think and i'd like you make a really a really good point in terms of like the young players that we do have wanting to be able to retain them. I think that's probably one of the most important things to be cautious of when you think about um, potentially trading away a bunch of assets and saying like, this is the lost season we need to kind of start fresh. However, I think it is important to do that because I think an important mantra to go by is that if you're that 17th in the standings is the worst place to be in. You would much rather be dead last than 17th because you don't have the chance to be in the playoffs and you have the worst pick out of the non-playoff teams. And so you, you're just stuck in mediocrity. It's, it's so much harder to get out of mediocrity than it is to get out of the basement. Because you get in the, if you're in the basement, um, the, the league helps you because they give you high draft picks. The, like that's how the system's designed to work, right? But if you're continually mediocre, you're a team that on the fringes of the playoffs are kind of like struggling to break out of that, you're not going to do anything with that. Um, and I think the Flames are probably the best example in the NHL for that over the last 10 years. Um, and so like, it, it's just as, as a Flames fan, like looking back at the last few years, like, um, like Anand, I know you you just started watching the Flames, but I think it kind of it kind of speaks to how mediocre they've been the last few years. To say that I haven't experienced that much that many more playoff runs than you have, um, <laughs> or at least promising ones, right? Because um, <laughs> we we've had a couple of years where there's been hope, and then there's been my other uh, I've been watching like like you, Simon. I've been watching the Flames since I was young, so um, e even with that, I there hasn't been all that much success just because we've been stuck in that kind of first round, second round exit kind of team or fringe playoff team. And if you actually want to make a run for things, you have to get a higher draft pick and get a couple superstars, get players who can actually make a difference. Um, I'm thinking about even Matthew Kachuk when there was a year where we didn't do so hot and we got, I think it was pick six. And look at how much Kachuk revitalized our franchise, like how much better we were because of Kachuk. And obviously you're going to get people in like the fifth, sixth round, like you're going to get the late round gems, but that's not something to count on. They don't have the same hit rate as the higher picks do. Um, so I think, I think you have to, like, if you want to actually contend, you want to actually rebuild a team, then you have to start from the ground floor up. And that starts from um, trading away your valuable assets, keeping young players, but trying to rebuild from the ground up. Um, 
because like you look at teams like the Ducks, you look at teams like the Kings, they are on their way up because that's how they start. That's that's how they built their team, and they have young, promising stars um, that can. Um, that we're going to see these teams in contention for a long time to come. And for the Flames, that's that's just not quite the case right now. They have some promising young talent, but it's not quite at that level yet because we haven't fully committed to the bit. We're stuck in the middle because we're just caught in this. We don't know what to do. We don't know if we want to push for anything or kind of slink back. I think it's time to slink back. I think it's been time to slink back for a few years now, ever since, um, ever since Gaudreau and Kachuk left and even potentially a little bit before that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that is the argument on one side of things, because I think you make a very good point there on the fact that this team has been what you would call mediocre for a very long time now. And a lot of our core, especially in previous years, with an, a big exception, obviously, to Matthew Kachuk, has been built through late-round picks. I think that was a really, really good point you made there, because if you go through our lineup right now, Rasmus Anderson, like... If you just, like, he's the big one that pops up to me right away. He was a second or third round pick. A lot of our main core that we drafted are either late round, even a lot of our prospects now. I mean, Dustin Wolf was a seventh rounder. Coronado, he was mid first round. And then Zari was late first round. I think with all of these guys, we're seeing, we're getting lucky because we're getting guys who are very, very good. But I don't think that you can really rely on that. And I'd like to see us bring in some elite, elite prospects. And I think it'd be, I think, uh, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily hate it because I'd like the fact that the Flames would be in on a lot of these young, young prospects or a lot of those really, really good prospects. And it'd be cool to see us get one of them because it feels like it's been a couple of years since we've been in a position where we could get somebody who could really turn around this franchise. And I think the last time I really remember us being in that position was, like you said, Kachuk. When we had that Kachuk pick, I remember being excited for it. I was watching that NHL draft going, who are we going to take? Who are we going to take? Because who I knew whoever we got, it was like it was adding more hope to this franchise that we haven't necessarily had in a long time because we just haven't been in a... One, we haven't been good enough to necessarily win anything too major. And two, we just haven't been in that position to even get that pick and potentially jump our franchise all the way up. I'd just like to see us really add to this core with a couple of more elite prospects than we currently have. So I agree with you on that part. But I will say I feel like, at least for this season, we're a little bit late. I think uh, no matter what happens, I think we're, we're kind of in a position now where... I think, at least in the standings, I don't think we'll be able to fall down to the top 10, which is where I'd want to be if you're going to tank. I just think that we're, we're, I don't know. It feels a little late is kind of where I'm trying to land on that. I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to double task because I want to bring up the, the standings in the division while, just so that we have it on the screen, just to, so we can talk about it as well. But the Flames are currently sitting at 18, 18, and 5, sitting... I believe it's two or three points out of the wild card. So right now we're closer to the playoffs Ooh. than we are a top 10 pick. Yeah. And it's also important to note that we have like, we're, we're behind the Oilers and they have like four or five games in hand. So we're really like, cause the, and the Oilers have been winning all their games. So we're really a lot further back than that. Um, and I think, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think you're right in that we did start too late because we are we're in that same spot we always are where it's like are we a playoff team or are we a top 10 draft pick team it's impossible to tell um but it's the kind of thing where um i'm looking at it and i'm like okay 
you started too late, whatever, but you have to pick a side at some point. And if you just keep it like, like I can't imagine a world in which they're buying at the trade deadline. Like that seems just utterly absurd to me. Um, like, I, I don't think you can, I don't think you do that. Or like, do you do that? Do you stick with the same core and just not do anything? Because I think there's lots of downsides to that. Like we talked about in the last segment too. Or it's almost a lose-lose. And I don't think... Yeah, because that's the, the situation the Flames have painted themselves in, right? Like, it's 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 kind of the way, like, when you refuse to kind of make a strong decision for this long, kind of the situation you get yourself in. It's hockey purgatory, really. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you either. I think that the position we're in right now is not really great. If we want to continue moving through a couple of the questions that I mainly have here, um, Shillington and Peliche are two players who are coming back in the near future. I think the timeline on Shilling Shillington is looking a lot better than uh, Peliche, at least to my knowledge currently. But uh, I'm curious what you guys think that they might add to this team and what maybe it would add to potentially a couple of those trades that you were talking about at the trade deadline, Caleb, or maybe you're trying to offload with the Flames because you have a couple more young guys on longer contracts who are able to come in, right? So I'm curious what you guys think they might add to this team. I personally have a lot to say on this one, so I'm excited to wait, see what you guys have. Again, Anand, you can go first on this one. Yeah, Simon, before I go on to... Shillington and uh, Pelche. I want to quickly say I'm uh, watching the game currently live right now uh, behind the on my phone and Jaeger Sharangovic just scored a hat trick. Uh, Flames are now up uh, six to two right now against the Arizona Coyotes. So little fun note for there. I uh, just want to say, as we were talking about the trades, um, definitely K Craig Conroy has won this trade uh, against Tyler Toffoli. He's, uh, Jaeger Sharangovic is doing much better than Tyler Toffoli. So just Holy a point smokes, there. is he a good player, huh? Yeah. So now going back to uh, Oliver Shillington. So Oliver Shillington is a defender. Uh, I know he's back into the Calgary Wranglers lineup tonight. He's playing. I already heard that he got a nice uh, PK in and almost a short-handed goal. But he didn't score, but he had an opportunity. So I'm really um, curious to see. I don't know if we have a timeline on uh, Shillington yet, but hopefully maybe soon. I think it's around three games in. Uh, he has a couple more games where the AHL can decide to, to be extend him in the AHL or is he ready to uh, come back to the Flames again? The organization won't rush him. Uh, I think he'll add real core to defensive for the Flames team, um, especially since right now uh, Gilbert is hurt right now. I don't know his timeline of return. So if in the near future, if we need a defenseman, Shillington can provide that. And if we trade, let's say, Tanner, probably maybe Fillington can replace Tanner. Uh, good um, possibility there. And then Pelche-wise, uh, he's going to be that uh, great uh, person for probably... I know Hoberdo also got a point tonight, uh, but he can be a great teammate for Hoberdo's line. Uh, because Hoberdo is a Frenchman as well as Jacob Pelche. So they both can connect well. And Jacob... Pelches, just the energy and the enthusiasm he puts in, uh, that's going to be fantastic. So I think both of them can be a great value. 
Uh, just right now, we don't know if there is a spot for them on the lineup yet. So let them play in the ranglers, get, let them get settled, and then we'll see what happens in the near future. Yeah, Caleb, over to you. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously both for both players, like it's just great to have them back. I think Shillington especially is, is so I've, I've, I haven't gotten the chance to see Peltier as much because um, I know he played a little bit last season, but it it was um, a little bit more limited. Um, but Shillington is someone I'm really excited for. And just like, just for for him to know that, because I know um, the the reason he's been away for so long was just struggles with mental health. So it's really it's really great to see him um, be be doing better and be able to um, uh, be healthy enough to return to the team, which is just like really awesome to see because he was fantastic um, when he was in the lineup. He um, just kind of provided so much of an extra an extra spark where it's just this extra little bit of energy. And I feel like there's like a like it's like a spark plug almost in your in your lineup where I feel like I saw that the biggest spark plug guy in the flames that I've seen was Kachuk. Um, because he just provided, like, he energized that entire team. And there were so many games where you feel like he is putting 100% more effort in than the next guy. And I feel like there's Shillington maybe not as that, not as consistently, but there was just times when I would watch this Flames team with Shillington on it, where it's just, especially in the offensive zone, because he's, he's an odd offensive guy um, coming from up, up from the D spot. Like, he, um, there there's one, I, I, I don't know, if I'm going to have the details exactly right, but there's this Dallas game where it was like a back and forth game. And I think it was like four, four something in the end. Um, and I don't know if it was overtime or the end of the third, but Shillington just orchestrated this brilliant pass play with some other um, random guy. And it was just like incredible to see him just jump up into the, the play, have these great offensive instincts um, and just completely flip the fortunes of his team in one game. That kind of spark is something the Flames need. And especially coming from a younger guy like Shillington. Like, it's, again, the conversation we were having. It's just whenever your team gets younger, um, that's always a good thing. Because you don't want to end up like like Pittsburgh. And I've, I've, I've talked enough about them um, on the pod before where you're just kind of, you think we're stuck in purgatory. They're going to be pretty stuck in purgatory, too, with all of the, like, 35-year-olds they've signed. Um, so, like, adding guys like Shillington to a young core um, is fantastic. And obviously Peltier, more of the same thing. Because whenever you get to see your young prospects in action, and I know Peltier has showed like an immense amount of promise um, in, um, I know he like in preseason and at any other time he he's been called up to the lineup, um, especially when it was so frustrating that Daryl Sutter just wouldn't call him up. Um, it's going to be great to see him in action again and be able to see what he can really do. Um, and like you said, and hopefully ignite some of the kind of dormant talent like like Huberto. It's it's just all of these players can bring a potential extra energy boost, a potential extra something, because I think if you're a, if you're a Flames fan, this team, it just kind of seems like it's dead and treading water a little bit. Because I, I think the record right now is what like a perfect 18, 18 and five or whatever. Like we're 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 literally sitting squatting at the 500 line. Um, if these if Billington and, and Peltier coming back can provide a little bit of spark to that lineup, like um, that it'll be all all the more worth it. Nope, and I agree with you, both of you guys as well. I, And I really agree with what you said there on Shillington, Caleb, because I've been a big fan of him for a long time since he's been in Calgary for a lot of the same reasons that you said. He is one of those guys. He's almost like a fourth forward out there. He's one of those defensemen. He's so quick. He's got 
a really, really nice shot. He's got, he's just one of those players who, the whole time he's been here, you've just been waiting for him. He's a star in the making. You can really, really tell when he, when he's playing. And I just, I personally, I am so excited to see him back in the lineup because I think one issue, especially on the power play, it's been better lately, but still shaky at times. I think he's somebody who can really add to that power play specifically. And I'm personally so excited to see him in that spot. As for Peliche, I think I think he's one of those young guys who you can almost... The second he's healthy, he's got to come back up. He was so good last year when we gave him the opportunity to play. He was really, really... I liked what I saw from him in the preseason as well. He's so insanely talented that it's so just nuts to me how little NHL time he's gotten. So I'm really excited to see him get a little bit more time up here. Same with Shillington, though. The whole time, every single time that we've gotten to see him up here, I feel like he's shown up. He's where what he lacks in defensive ability, I feel like he makes up for on the offensive attack there. And I think I don't Anand, you mentioned the idea of potentially him coming up to fill in for Tanev. I there at least for me, I don't know how much I personally like the idea of that, just because I feel like they're polar opposite styles. And I I and I again I love Tanev. I love the fact that he's here, so that hurts my soul a little bit. But I think you might be right. Just overall on if we see a Tanev or even potentially a Hannafin trade in the next cup like month or month or two. Or I guess just one month. Whatever. Like if we end up seeing that happen, I think Shillington is gonna be the guy who comes up and I think he's I if he is still the player that we got to see one or two years ago, I'm so excited to see it. I think he's such a, just a stellar player. And I personally am so excited to see it. Um, this I think pretty well moves right into I think what we can probably what we can probably call the last question. We'll hit on this one and then we'll probably end the podcast or end the segment at that. What are you guys' expectations for the end of this season for the Flames? I like Caleb mentioned, eighteen, eighteen and five. I think you were dead on with that standings, or at least what their record is. What are your guys' ex- expectations? We've talked about what we personally think the Flames should do. What do you guys think the Flames will do for the end of this season? And if you even want to get into the future, go right ahead. Anand I'll once again I'll throw the throw the ball over to you. Alright, Simon, thank you. Yeah, so right now uh, if we are going to call this game, uh, which is happening right now, Flames Arizona Coyotes 6-2, so we can almost call it a game if the Coyotes don't fight back. Uh, so that brings Flames 19-18-5 this season. Uh, they are already 42 games done this season, so that's almost halfway, around 41 more games. If I do my math correctly, 40 games, 41-42 games left um in the seasons so you know it could go any different way possibly and flames could really push together push for a playoff win uh this game will get them into 43 points um then we hope either edmonton oilers or nashville predators drop the ball in the next couple of games then we can catch up up to them and be a playoff team or my wish as we said maybe if you're not looking to be that playoff team uh we can focus on the trade and the moves um especially for lindholm uh like caleb said at the beginning uh lindholm being um what you call a all-star disguise we could get him moved away and a few other options and then if that's the way conroy decides to go then it might be 
um, I would say we wait until the all-star break uh, to see what direction the flames are and where they at um, and then I'll chime in then uh, but um, I'm hoping for a playoff entry for sure a playoff team get the red mile going uh, but again it's gonna see how they can remain consistent a uh, few of the players to watch obviously here Igor Sharangovich he's been fantastic uh, with the trade Jonathan Huberdo now has almost point per game now so he's a key player to watch and that lineup Zari Kadri and Pospisil so yeah those are my final thoughts over to you Caleb yeah, I think I think in terms of expectations, I think the reality of it is as 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 bad as this might be, this team is not a playoff team, and they don't have they haven't consistently shown that. Um, you, if you are a playoff team, you cannot have performances like they had against teams like Chicago without with most of their lineup injured, including Connor Bedard dropping the ball like that. You can't have that happen, especially when teams like you mentioned it on, like the Oilers, who have just won nine straight. Um, like you, we are just not. It's about. I think it's just um, like a lot of this conversation, like broadly, has kind of been about what can you do to potentially get out of this spot because it's like this is not the spot you want to be in when you're a Flames fan. You don't want to be on the fringe of the playoffs. You want to obviously be leading the division, leading the charge, actually having a chance to push for something in the playoffs. And this spot is not where you want to be. And I think it's just about acceptance of um, where you are and just saying, hey, we're not there yet. And that's okay, because we need to build that over the next few years. And Flames management, and especially Flames ownership, has been so hesitant to say that, and so in denial in terms of where what this team actually is and what the future actually looks like um and so i think in terms of my like expectations are a funny thing because who knows what the future is going to look like um but if i could set like a goal for this flames roster all i want to see i don't really want i mean i would love to see them make the playoffs as i always would because the playoffs are the best kind of hockey of all time and i'd love to watch my favorite team in the playoffs um but i don't think that's going to help us in the long term and I think if I want to see anything out of the Flames, it's kind of just like, um, I, can, I kind of compare it to the very end of last season, like that last game, um, which I know you've talked about a lot, Simon, in terms of that last game, we were out of it. Um, we weren't going to make the playoffs, but you watched it for Dustin Wolf to see the future of this team. And I almost kind of want to take that little like moment and just expand that. If that's If I have a hope for this team, it's that moment, but expanded for the next 40 games for all of the young players. Like, like you mentioned, Anand, like Zari, Pospisil. Like, I, you want to see that development continue because for a team like the Flames, that's what's most important is taking these young players and developing them and turning them into players that eventually can lead you um, into the promised land and lead you into a team that's winning the division. Because I think if you continue to push for the playoffs and just work under this delusion that we actually have a shot at anything um is kind of foolish because we um our our star players just aren't stars anymore um the huberto trade i think we can all safely say in hand, hindsight was a complete failure um and so as a, as a team we need to work our way out under that and just kind of cross our fingers and hope and pray until he's um gone from the team or 
hopefully i mean hopefully for for his sake hopefully he rebounds but it's not how it's looking hopefully we can we can ride that out and kind of build with rebuild with the youth and so that's kind of that's kind of what i'm hoping for is just seeing that kind of youth movement in terms of the young players that we have high hopes for improving getting better and kind of coming into their own more and more for the rest of the season i think playoffs isn't a realistic expectation and i think that's okay with where they are and i think the sooner that flames management accepts that too i think the better future this team's gonna have yep and i don't necessarily disagree with you i'd like to see again i'd really like to see this team make the playoffs but i think I'll go back to something you said earlier, Caleb, That, or at least you pointed out when we had the standings in front of us. The Oilers still have about three more games left, more than the, than we do, and we're still three points behind them. And I think that pretty much describes our chances at the playoffs pretty well. I think if we fight for it and really, really, and don't trade away anybody at the deadline and go, listen, we are going all in for this wild card spot, I think that there's a very good chance we're going to land right at 17. I think that 17-18 spot. I think that we're going to end up right back there, which is, again, something you pointed out, Caleb. I think, uh, truthfully, knowing the tendencies of this Flames team, I have a funny, funny feeling that's right where we're going to be. But I agree with you. I'd love to see all of these young guys come up, especially, like, I'd like to see Coronado back up at the top level. He was so good for the short time he was here. I'd love to see him back up. And Dustin Wolf. He's another guy you pointed out. I, I love talking about that last game of the season or last year because I think that we saw so much promise out of him. And I'd love to see an opportunity where maybe we trade Vladar. If we somehow can get a really good offer for Markstrom, I'd be interested in maybe a Markstrom trade. I think that that's, that'd be such a, that's such a unique situation there where we have a chance here to get, bring up a guy who is NHL ready and really give him a chance. And maybe some games that aren't, don't necessarily mean a lot as it's not necessarily you're trying to win them but it's giving him the chance to just you know get his feet wet a little bit more at the nhl level and we've seen the flames do that in the past with different goalies in my brain this is a really long pull but ordio if you can remember it back when he was a flames <laughs> prospect goalie when the flames were having a a bad season i can't remember which one it would have been 2016 2017 ish area but uh in about February or March, we called him up, and he actually ended up starting for the last bit of the season and doing a pretty good job at that. I was pretty impressed by him, and I thought that he'd have a good potential spot. We've seen stuff like Riddick was another guy who came up in a similar position and managed to take advantage of it. I'd love to see Dustin Wolf do a, do have a similar role in the second half of the season if things start to go downhill. I I don't know. I, I, I'm a pessimist when it comes to this. We don't know what Craig Conroy's uh, trade deadline philosophy is going to end up looking like. I, obviously, it's his first deadline as a general manager. So there's a lot of things coming up. There's still a, We're still a month away from it as well, so plenty of time for him to make a couple of moves here. So we'll, I, at the end of the day, Caleb, like you said, it all we're all just going over... Uh, it doesn't mean much what our expectations are because expectations are just expectations. We don't know what's going to happen. But I would really like to say, similar to what you said, I'd like to see a lot of these young guys come up if things aren't going well. I'd love to see us somehow slip into the top 10, as slim as that is. We'd have to, there'd be a lot of luck involved in that one if we can get in the top 10 of the draft. But I'd love to see us get potentially an elite prospect who might be able to help us out. And I'd love to, just overall, we've seen a lot of it this year, but I want to see this team continue to get younger.
I, I think that's the biggest thing for me, and that'll just continue to be it. And I know that's going to mean trading away a lot of players on this team that I really like. Tanev, again, a player that I think is so good for this team, and I think that he's going to be so good for whatever contender we end up trading him to. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's it for me. I think that we can probably end this one right off. Anon, thanks for joining us. Uh, th we I think we had a terrific time here. It was a really, really, really fun being able to talk Flames with you. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know how much more I have to add. I'm running out of words. But uh, thanks, everybody, for watching this segment. We've got NFL coming up next. So to get into the NFL this week, we'll be going starting off with a Black Monday segment for all the coaches that got fired not only this week and for the entire season. So we've got an overall list of nine teams which is a lot so we're gonna have a fun one here and to help us out we're gonna have a guest on as well so joining us here is gonna be josh arbuthnot who not only who if you're listening in over on fresh take i'm sure you've heard his voice plenty so i'm tired let's get right into this one caleb you've got the list of all of the teams here so i'm just gonna throw it right over to you right away so we can hop right into it absolutely so we'll just we'll start off with I mean, I'm biased, but we'll start off with what I think is the most, maybe not notable, because obviously with the news that came out just today, which we'll get to, there's maybe a more legendary, more tenured coach that um, just stepped down from the position, got fired, whatever, however they want to phrase it. So maybe not the most notable, but I think the most surprising. And with that, we're going to start with Pete Carroll, um, not necessarily getting fired, but Moving up to an advisory role, leaving the head coach role vacant. I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Josh, in terms of what you think about that and what that means for the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of Seahawks fans in my life, personally. Um, it didn't seem like a shock to Seahawks fans. I think it can kind of seem more of a shock to us outside uh, of the 12th man and the Seattle area. Uh, cause, you know, talking to Seahawks fans, that conversation had gone. Consistently being a media, Seahawks fans like, so what's the Pete Carroll buzz? I'm like, what are you talking about? But apparently within Seahawks circles and Reddit and whatnot, that had been going on for a while. You keep on hearing, oh, he still wants the coach. But I, I, so I don't know if this is like a Brad Stevens level thing where, you know, Brad Stevens left the Celtics and then became a really good GM and president for the Celtics. I think he can still do that. Remember, too, and I'm sure you know this, Caleb, too, there potentially still could be a sale for the Seahawks in the next five years here. So they don't want things to look unstable within the organization they want to make sure things look good and healthy and i think that's why you haven't heard a lot of names going around you've heard dan quinn there's been some i mean i'm sure we're going to mention ben johnson's for everybody's name in here except for like maybe two for ben johnson he seems to be sprinkling everywhere dan quinn seems safe he's with the legion of boom he knows that organization that seems to be where they're going carol great career there obviously seems like he still wants to coach we'll see what happens probably should have two super bowls uh, definitely but you know it, it's sad to see him go and not have another one of that the Seahawks the one thing he did with the Seahawks when he left the Trojans is he made the Seahawks a relevant contender year after year you look at those 14 years the Seahawks were a team that was just kind of there he didn't really think about the Seahawks as much and he turned the Seahawks into a year-round least playoff contender so it's going to be really hard to replace that yeah, and I mean, obviously, this like this news really hit me this week, and I I know 
Simon, you were saying before the pod, like expecting me to be mad either way that Pete Carroll is going to be get mad, either mad that he got fired or, um, or whatever. It seems like I'm always mad at this team nowadays, but I, like you said, Josh, it, it isn't exactly that big of a surprise um, because it's something that not only has kind of been in the mind of, minds of Seahawks fans this year, but it's honestly been a bit of a longer conversation because even going back to before the Russell Wilson trade, a big aspect of that was who are they going to let essentially run the organization? Is it going to be um, a Pete-focused team where you build around defense in the running game and the kind of style that he likes to play? Or are you going to metaphorically let Russ cook and let him um, kind of run the show, which is what we saw in that um, a couple of years before Russ left where they really let that style play out and it kind of fell off the rails. And obviously the Seahawks went with Pete Carroll trading Russell Wilson away, ended up being a good move for them. But the most important thing I think to realize with why they let go of him is because um, this defense has not been good for a very long time. And I think that flies under the radar just because of how good those defenses were historically, especially in those, not just in the Super Bowl years, but before the Legion of Boom dissolved, like they were still fantastic up until about like 2016, 2017. And it's just been terrible. And you've seen that, especially in these last couple of games, the Seahawks had a wide open path to the playoffs and it was their defense that let them down. Um, terrible rush defense against the Steelers, terrible rush defense against the Cardinals. Um, it was one of the most, as, as someone who has watched the team for 10 years, it was some of the most embarrassing football I've ever seen them play. And it's just like that, when you are a defensive-minded coach, that kind of stuff can't fly. And it's something we've been seeing year after year, because the Seahawks have been cycling through defensive coordinators. Um, you had, um, after you had like Gus Bradley and... Um, and all the guys who ran the, the Legion of Boom, Dan Quinn, possible head coach in Canada for them, another one. Um, you start to see them run through guys who have like one to two year runs. Clint Hurt has been there a couple of years. He's probably going to leave. Ken Norton Jr. was another one. Um, and it seems like each year, like I'm being part of the Seahawks fandom and seeing it, it's like, this guy's the problem. This defensive coordinator is the problem. Our defense is terrible, but removing this guy is how we're going to get better. Or removing Clint Hurt is how we're going to get better. And eventually you have to look up to Pete and say, you're the defensive guy. Um, why is this not improving? That's kind of where yeah. the solution needs to come from. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like the secondary is great, you know, with getting uh, Woolen and having Witherspoon, who may have edged out Jalen Carter for rookie of the year, potentially down the stretch. Great pick there. Taking him, Kobe Bryant back there, Mike Jackson. The secondary is good, but like you mentioned, off the edge and that pass rush and the linebackers and the middle linebackers, when they brought a friend Clark, I'm like, okay, cool. And he was a huge disappointment for them. They made a big a midseason trade to help out that linebacking core. Didn't really help. So when you have, like you said, a defensive coordinated minded coach there, that's something you have to fix. And it seems like they're going to bring in a defensive minded coach in Dan Quinn, if not maybe Mike Grable, who are two defensive minded coaches. So on their minds, whoever they do bring in, it will obviously be sitting around the defense because the offense is good. My, my question to you is, I've pitched this to a few Seahawks fans, and some of them seem lukewarm on it. Some of them seem okay with it. Some of them kind of like the idea. Quarterback position is a questionable position right now for them. Geno has that contract, but it's not that hard to get out of it. I'm not I'm not bringing up the bring Russ back stuff. I look at the commanders, for example, and I look at a guy like Sam Howell. 
who will not be the quarterback of this team most likely next year because it looks like Drake May will more than likely be the commander's quarterback, would you be opposed at them throwing a fourth or fifth round pick to Sam Howell to potentially be the quarterback or a guy like that, or do you want to roll back next year with Geno? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is as a Seahawks fan, you're kind of just tired of the mediocrity. Like, that's kind of where this team has been at. It's been, um, we had the one, the only, because like you said, Pete Carroll has made this team a team to respect for the last um, 14 years that he's been there, which means they've been consistently good. But since 2014, 2015, they haven't been great. It's been 10 and 6, 9 and 7, 9 and 8 now. Um, And I think when you're looking at a guy like Howell, um, potentially bringing him in for the Seahawks, I think it really is um, kind of taking this this young core that you've built and just kind of taking, I think, either kind of just a a sideways, like it's not going to be any sort of improvement over Geno, I think. Um, I'm... In terms of what I like for the quarterback of the future, I do think you ride it out with Geno. Like, I do think... um, Gino has shown enough to show show that he is a good quarterback and he has not been the problem with this team. Um, watching this team week after week, the offense has struggled. The offense has been slow. But I think more than anything, that has been offensive scheme. Um, and I also think it's been offensive line issues because a lot of the time, Gino does not have time to throw the football. And yeah. um, I think you have to, you kind of have to give him that extra year to ride it out. I wouldn't be opposed. I think... If I'm John Schneider right now, my ultimate plan is to, um, after getting a new head coach in place, what direction they'll take with that remains to be seen. But in terms of quarterback, I'm keeping Geno that extra year, but I'm also trying to get a quarterback in either the late first round, early second round, hopefully aiming for kind of like a Jalen Hurts situation, ideally, where you can let a guy sit behind. AJ McCarthy will be there, Jordan Travis. There's guys there. I I think a lot of people look at that top echelon of those three quarterbacks, but that back set of quarterbacks there, I guess Penix is kind of the, the fourth one there, but that back level of getting a J.J. McCarthy or a Bo Nix, and you don't have to play them next year. You don't have to play a yeah. Bo Nix or a J.J. McCarthy at all next year. You can let them learn under Geno. And I was going to mm. say that as well. Hey. I think that's an excellent idea. I was going to just field the question to both of you guys. If Because the main thing that I keep on hearing whenever I hear people talk about this specifically is obviously they're not going to get a top three of whoever those top three quarterbacks in this draft are going to be. I'm curious. Caleb, Drake May, and and Jaden Daniels. Right. And And Ed Penix to the next level. Yeah, but if Seattle's not going to get that top three, who would you like to see Seattle grab there out of those next couple? Because this is a really deep quarterback class, and like you mentioned, Josh, the Seahawks do not need to look for a starting caliber quarterback this season. You don't need a guy to slide in right away. Geno could be that guy to maybe mentor somebody this year. So I'm curious what both you guys think on who you'd like to see Seattle. Get it with Drew. Yeah, I, I think I think for for me, I mean, I think my ideal situation is also kind of filled with a little bit of bias because as someone who's recently gotten into watching a lot of Washington Huskies football, it uh, would be fantastic to see Michael Penix stay in Seattle um, because I think he's shown a lot, like the kind of chemistry that he's shown with Roma Dunze in terms of like um, the deep ball, like that he's able to throw, like that specific aspect of his game reminds me a lot of how Russ played back in Seattle in terms of just how accurate he is. It doesn't, it like, um, I went to the game against Utah that they had. It didn't matter if 
Adunze was covered. Like, he's throwing it up there, and he's placing it right in the basket. And that's the kind of thing that Russ did with Lockett. And if I can see that kind of connection again, um, I would just love that. Um, he's got, and, and that kind of, like, quick release is another thing that, especially when you have offensive line issues, other than the last game against Michigan, and hasn't seemed any sort of pressure, hasn't seemed to bother him all year. Um, that That's kind of my ideal situation. He may be a little bit high, like, like you kind of said, Josh, he's like, after the, the top three, it's a pretty decent gap, but he is kind of, I think, that next guy up after that. Um, so that that's kind of my ideal situation. Um, but I think, honestly, any of any of these kind of next-level guys would be great. And I, I think the, another good comparison I can draw to is how Jordan Love has developed with the Packers. I think the yep. idea of sitting a quarterback behind a starter is one that a lot of teams need to do. And I think if the Seahawks do that this year and kind of use that as a springboard to potentially – trying to be Super Bowl contenders again, that would be great for me as a Seahawks fan. Well, Michael Penix is available. It's, it's like he, he will be a guy. I've seen him slip and draft down to the 20th pick. It's yeah. not like it's a guy that you can't trade up for. Those top four players of going Caleb, Drake, Jaden Daniels, and Marvin, that seems to be locked in the, the, the top four, and we could talk about what the Bears will do with that in another day. But that, that top four is locked. But after that, Penix is a guy that will be available. And, and you know what? When the combine comes to, that could change. He could bump out maybe, you know, one of these guys. I, I'm not going to get into it too much right now, but I have Penix to me as the second best quarterback in this draft. I have Caleb mm-hmm. as the third yeah. best. I, I think I just haven't, I don't want to get too much into it because we have this stuff to talk about, but I just haven't seen Caleb Williams be the top 15 defense yet. So I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm a little bit lower on him. I'm a little bit biased. So to notice I am a Carolina fan, but I have seen Drake may do things that teams look for and want from an NFL quarterback more. And Drake may check those boxes, much like Michael Penix does. Yes, he struggled in the national championship game, but look what happened in that game. He just O-line got destroyed. He had no room. But from what I've seen from Penix, that's the guy that's the crown jewel in this draft for me. That's the guy that has the highest upside. As much as I like Drake, and I think he can be the best quarterback, the sky's the limit for Penix. So a team like Seattle, a team like Atlanta we'll talk about, maybe my Raiders we're going to talk about in a bit too, those are all teams that are going to be clamoring and trying to trade up for Penix because they know the Caleb's, the Drakes, maybe the Jadens aren't going to be available for them. But for Seattle, a Penix would be there. Yeah, and I think that is the ideal situation. And like you talked about, the Michigan game is really like the only red flag from this last season, in addition to kind of injury concerns from his past yeah. years at Indiana. Um, but I think you also have to take into consideration he also looked very injured at the end of the the Mm -hmm. michigan game too like holding his ribs like he he did not look okay at the end of that game so i almost think you throw that out the window a little bit especially after the performance he had against texas um like the combine yeah yeah I'll, i'll i'll move on from from pete to talk about another legendary coach the news coming out today that this one is a little bit more expected there's been rumors about it all season long but after what is it 23 years bill belichick is no longer is it 24 now yeah sure i guess 2024 hired in 2000 um no longer the coach of the patriots yeah it's interesting i mean really good defense if he had a quarterback patriots i mean maybe they were a playoff level i mean they had a playoff level defense didn't have a playoff level offense and you know for bill it's interesting what the winning situation he'll go to is because he's 15 wins behind Dan Shula for the all-time win record for the coaching record. So you know he wants that. Uh, I don't think he's obviously not going to settle now. Obviously the Falcons have been thrown around as the favorite for him. 
but you'll be watching that Bucks and that Philly game very, very closely. Uh, all I'll say is this for the Belichick and for the position. The, there's a there's a there's a spot that no one's talking about. I want to talk about really quick, and then I'll get back to you, Caleb. What can you say though? He did everything you needed from him. Just a great career. Um, he's now also with the Dan Shula thing. He's also got to get one over Brady because it's kind of like the Kobe and Shaq. Right now, Brady's winning the divorce right now, so he has to go over that. But it was time. Patriots are ready for a clean sweep. It seems like Jared Mayo will be going there. If McDaniels goes back to the OC position there, or if he falls Belichick, who knows? Obviously, people know me as a Raider fan, not a big McDaniels fan for obvious reasons. Um, but the one position I look at for Belichick is what is Shad Khan and the Jaguars doing? Fire Ooh. Doug Peterson and throw everything at Bill Belichick. We know the cons have money from what how Tony Khan spends money in AEW. Go and get Bill Belichick to have a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence that has not had the right development that we've seen. And, yeah, it'd be another coach. It'd be his third coach in four years or whatever after going through the Urban Meyer experience. But you really should take the opportunity to get a guy like Belichick in South Florida. I'm sure that'd be a great spot. He'd love to retire. I'm just surprised more people haven't talked about the Jags as the spot. It's in Falcons, Falcons, Falcons. And we know Arthur Smith is going to be aggressive and try to go after him. But I don't know why the Jags aren't a spot that Belichick would look at. Mm. that's that's really interesting i mean um with the doug peterson stuff it's kind of interesting especially because you wouldn't think that we'd be having this conversation after their first whatever it was nine games where they're six and three and things are looking good and it looks like they're continuing in the momentum from last season but things really did fall apart for them and i think that it's definitely an interesting scenario to think about in terms of putting belichick down there with a young established quarterback um, like Trevor Lawrence. So I think that definitely is an interesting possibility that is def- probably not getting talked about as much just because that move to fire Peterson hasn't happened yet. But I think yeah. in terms of the, the talk about him going to the Falcons, I don't know if that's a fit I necessarily love. Um, not with because the quarterback I think right now. Yeah, because I think for Belichick, Belichick is the is the ultimate defensive guy you take that's the part of this 4 and 13 Patriots team that was any good like you mentioned um he's going to with Bill Belichick you're going to have a fantastic defense that's what he's there to coach um and I think part of the reason the Brady Belichick marriage worked so well is because when Belichick can handle the defense um you get Brady onto that offense and he can run the show um because as we've kind of seen after he left um and some of the conversations the players have had, like players were playing for Brady and that side of the ball. So I think you kind of have to have that side of the ball, especially the quarterback, like you said, figured out, which is why Atlanta doesn't feel right because their offense is completely in shambles after how Arthur Smith mishandled it. So I'm looking more, um, I don't know what your thoughts about this are, Josh, but the Chargers are kind of my number one spot for Belichick because I'm looking at pairing him with Herbert. um, And I know, some of the some of the offensive weapons quite aren't as good as they potentially used to be with Keenan Allen getting older, Mike Williams injury concerns and everything. But I think that defense has a lot of pieces that Belichick can use to potentially elevate them because that team has so much talent. It's just about they're not being utilized right, and you can see how that was mishandled under a guy like Staley. Um, so yeah. I, I think if you bring in Belichick for that, who knows what can happen? Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, they're in the Harbaugh sweepstakes as well. My only problem with the yeah. Chargers is, like you mentioned, there's a few broken pieces on the offensive side. Austin Eckler's probably going to leave 
uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen always injury risk. Obviously, they have a high pick. They could go for a guy like Neighbors or Otunes and take uh, take another rookie receiver. I mean, they took Quentin Johnson last year and it didn't work out for them. Uh, the only problem with the Chargers is just they're over the cap hard. Like they have a lot of salary and they got a shed salary. And unfortunately for them, it comes from the defensive side and it comes from cutting a guy like Khalil Mack, Herb Derwin, James. Now maybe get a Belichick, you rethink that because um, you do have the quarterback there that you can do it with and you can re uh, reconfigure things. My only thing is with the Chargers, and I kind of talked about this in the show earlier, I'm almost wondering if they should just scorch her in a way, just get mm-hmm. a young-minded coach like a Ben Johnson or something and get rid of those heavy contracts, get another young receiver in there and just kind of reset. And if, if it works, then it works. But, again, <laughs> Belichick going to a sunnier location makes sense. The Chargers are obviously – they're going to wait for Harbaugh, and that, that's going to kind of be first and foremost. But and I was going to say on that one as well. I was going to say on that one as well. Most of the Chargers fans I have talked to are very high on Harbaugh. I think that's the person they yeah. really, really want. That's the big rumor I keep hearing over and over and over is that they really, really want to wait out for Harbaugh. Even though, I, at least to my knowledge, it's still up in the air whether he wants to come to the NFL and if he wants to leave Michigan. But I think it's really, I think that's a really interesting one. I was about to ask what you guys think on potentially Harbaugh even going to to, to the Chargers if we want to move there. I mean, there just needs to be two teams from Harbaugh. It's, it's Vegas and it's the Chargers. And I don't think there's any in between for those two teams. Um, we'll talk about Vegas in a bit because obviously I'm a little more close to that situation. But uh, he already has a quarterback set, ready to go there, and he's been good with quarterbacks. And he's been good on having they have all the weapons there. Kind of the same with Belichick, right? These are two high-level coaches, kind of like what Caleb was talking about, that could take a team that have pieces and make them work. Yeah, and I, I think either way the Chargers go. Like I think if you go Harbaugh or if you go Belichick, like I think. Either way, you're going to be good. Because I think Harbaugh is a fantastic coach. And he's proved that again and again. Because he's done it at, at yeah. both levels, right? He's coached that nine that Niners team. And you saw what happened to them after they um, let Harbaugh go, where they just completely crashed and burned to the ground um, before Shanahan kind of brought them back up to relevance again. And then seeing what he's done with Michigan, again, a program that wasn't quite the same level in the past, finally bringing them back to a national championship. Like, he can do that same kind of thing for the Chargers. And I think... Um, something you were talking about Josh in terms of the Chargers like scorching earth and just kind of starting over well I do think I'm generally like in favor of that for most teams because I think holding on to the idea of what you wanted your team to be for too long is never a good idea Um, but I think for the Chargers you almost can't afford to do that just because of Justin Herbert you only have so many good years of him right like when you get a guy like that you have to capitalize on that Um, and I'm thinking of the Chargers as almost like a complete reclamation project. Because again, I look at that talent and you're gonna have to, you're right, you're gonna have to shed some of it because of cap problems. But we've yeah. seen what smart GMs can do with, with cap problems. They can try to retain as, retain as much as they can. They gotta get the GM then, first. It's true. They've gotta find that smart GM too. Um, <laughs> and, I, and it can't be Belichick by the way. The GM can't be Belichick. He, just have him as a coach. Should be, I think we're both yes. uh, on that same page, Caleb. He's just coaching. No GM Belichick. Because that has led to complete disaster for New England. And that's, yeah. I, think that's, I think that's a big part of the reason why he's not there anymore. Because of just how terrible he has been at building that team. He's fantastic at coaching it. Um, but in terms of building it, and especially in the draft, um, that receiving room actually, is like, terrible for so players, long. Name me an offensive player that he's drafted that's good other than Gronkowski. 
Do you think Bill yeah, Belichick is going to want just a coaching role, or do you think he's looking for coach and GM again? He wants to be Dan Shula and then maybe try to get that Super Bowl ring to tie Brady. I think that's the more important thing to him right now. Yeah, and I think I think for him, it's definitely if you're Bill Belichick, for as confident as you probably have to be in yourself at this point for being probably the best coach in NFL history, you also kind of have to realize all the noise that's been around his GM aspect of the role. Like there's, yeah. it's been well known for a while that that's not his strength. So I, I wouldn't, I, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he was okay giving that up. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll move on, on from Belichick. We'll go on to a little bit of a less exciting potential destination. And this was, this was kind of a coach firing that we've known since about halfway through the season. Um, and that is Ron Rivera down in Washington. Um, what, do you think next steps look for the commanders after getting rid of their guy who they've had for the past four years? Well, I mean, I'd love to think they have, uh, I'm a big Sam Howell guy. I think Sam is a good quarterback and he showed it uh, under Eric Benemy. I think that'll be one of the guys they look at to look at Benemy, uh, who, who hasn't got an opportunity to coach in this league yet and deserves a, a chance. But Sam had an up and down year at the quarterback spot, but he had no O-line. And then they traded sweat away. They traded Chase Young away. Sweat was great in the bears. So, at least they have a new owner, but then they bring Bob Myers in to do some stuff. Who was a GM for the Warriors, so some things never change there. But new new ownership there is going to help. They'll probably draft Drake May. Like I said, I, I think they should try to trade Sam Howell because there'll be a team that will give you a fourth or maybe a third for Sam Howell. Uh, th- there's pieces there, but if I'm picking teams that aren't going to be in the playoffs next year, right now it's the Commanders. They they have some work to do. As much as I like Drake May. Uh, a lot and you know again i'm biased i'm a north carolina fan so i do like drake uh the the, the coach i was looking at again eric benemy would be someone to go to. I, that's not a ben johnson destination ben johnson's not touching that that team uh i've heard the uh the assistant coach on the niners uh Steve wilkes i think his name is oh yeah. his name yeah. go around um but this is a very much you talked about reclamation po- project caleb this is it there's a, there's a few things to figure out uh, on this team. They, they've got a good quarterback looking like it'll be Drake May and then kind of build back up from there. Yeah. And <laughs> and again, to kind of re- reference the the past conversation, you talk about um, kind of scorching the earth. They're, the earth is already scorched. That happened it's when they traded done. Glenn Young. Um, like, yeah. it, it, is, it is a definite, whatever coach they bring in is going to be a coach that is going to have to be okay with a year or maybe even two of being bad and rebuilding. Um, And with how, like, I think you make a great point. Ben Johnson's not touching that because I think Ben Johnson is, um, he's gonna have a lot of options in terms of where he wants to go. So Washington is probably not one of them. But I, I think what's most important about this coaching search is just kind of, taking a step in the right direction, especially under new ownership, because the Dan Snyder yeah. era, that was all kind of like routed in every, like that, everybody yeah. knew that was complete, complete failure of a, however long you own the team, like 20 years or whatever. It's about kind of getting out from under that stench and starting a new under, um, I believe it's, um, what's his name? Josh Harris or whoever the, Josh Harris, he owns the owner. Pictures as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's about kind of starting in a new direction under him. And getting rid of Ron Rivera, who I think is a, still a good coach. Like, I, I think that's a tough situation for anybody. Um, but kind of getting rid of that last remnant of the Dan Schneider era is important. And then just starting a, 
starting anew with somebody. I think um, I'm, if I'm the commanders, I'm totally focused on B enemy because I think it, that's a perfect transition. He's already been in the room for a year and he's already been, his name has come up in head coaching conversations for the last three years. And so it's the guy's got to get a, get a shot. It's time. It's, it's time. time. Yep. Yep. Um, and to mold a guy like um, Drake May, they start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to another, um, a, a lot more interesting destination than the Falcons. Um, with a lot worse of a coach that just got fired, um, which is yeah. Arthur Smith and the Falcons. Um, who, who do you think might be going there, and what do you think of Arthur Smith's tenure on this team? Uh, man, it's just such a it's such an electrifying offense. I mean, fantasy wise, all of us touch one of these guys for fantasy. This will be, I mean, whoever, whoever gets this coach, they'll reignite the Kyle Pitts fantasy buzz again. People are like, no, this is the year for Kyle Pitts. I swear. Uh, you got guys like Kyle Pitts, Drake London is so good. A guy like Matt Collins, who was on my Raiders, who I thought was a really good slot guy, and they just never really used him correctly. Having Cordell Patterson, I don't think was used correctly. Taking Bijan, not used correctly. Algier is 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 great. It just it came down to a back. And they have a good defense too. Like getting Jesse Bates was a great pickup for them. So there's good stuff on the defensive side. Going to have to take the uh, if Cleus Campbell leaves, you're going to probably help the pass rush out a little bit more, but. The more disappointing thing, no one's the, the Falcons' defense was fine. It's the offense that was so disappointing because there's just so many weapons. And obviously, Belichick is at the top right now of people talking about this, but this is also a Ben Johnson team that has a lot of similarities to what he has with the Lions. The question is what they're going to do for quarterback. It's a team that could draft Penix, it's a team that could throw some money at Kirk Cousins, who's a big free agent, obviously. And one or two of these teams we're going to be talking about will be going after Kirk Cousins. So I do think he's going to stay in Minnesota, and it's a team that could go after Russell Wilson. It, they're they're really a quarterback away from being a scary team, the Falcons. Yeah, and I'm almost I'm almost wondering if the Falcons are, I don't obviously I don't know off the top of my head what their kind of assets are looking like, but I almost wonder if they're a sneaky team to try to trade up into that top three area of quarterbacks because you know the they Bears are Nick right now, so it's not completely out of reach not completely out of reach to where it's it's because like you said they are a quarterback away and i think for 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 me other than the obvious disasters of this season like like a josh mcdaniels or like a brandon staley i think arthur smith was the most frustrating coach because they he you're like you're right he has a treasure trove like literally the best offensive weapons coming out of college that you could possibly imagine who we see in this yeah. picture right here, like who is who's a great blocking and catching tight end. Yeah. And and just all of that is completely misused. Um yeah. and it's it's just it's just so frustrating because this team can be so much more. It's probably one of the most talented seven and ten rosters in, in the NFL. And just to see Arthur Smith continue to um not feed the ball to his top weapons using like Kyle Pitts as a diversion instead of actually throwing the ball to him, it's so frustrating. And it, it I was very happy. I mean, obviously, you don't want to see anybody get fired, but like there was, it needed to be a change. Um, in I think everybody um, knew that one guy who was just like, "This will be the week with Kyle Pitts. This will be it." Yeah. Everybody yeah. knew that guy, whether you were that guy or not. Everybody knew that guy. I was that guy with B.J. Yeah. Robinson. I every single yeah. day of that, every single week of this season, I started him and went, "This will be it. This will be it. This will be it." 
30 points. 30 points. 30 I think he points. went in top four drafts, top four in fantasy drafts this year because people oh. are like, this is, this is a, like, he can be a CMC right away. That's what people had the faith in Bijan there. And he and he can. It's just, we had the weird sick game with him that was, it was just a lot of weird yeah. stuff for that really talented offense. Yeah. Which is like, again, I think this, because Ben John, like like you said off the top, Ben Johnson is going to be a name that's connected to pretty much every head coaching destination, just in terms of how valuable he is. But if I'm picking like one destination on that he's not attached to, yeah, the rest of them, it's like, well, he he could go there because he's probably got the whole wealth of options in front of him. But if I'm yeah. Ben Johnson, this is the place I want to go. I want to go to Atlanta because I'm an offensive yeah. guy. I've turned around Jared Goff in Detroit and turned that offense that most people probably thought um, wasn't going to be anything um, into something really special. And Certain. I have been crowded to a top five receiver, six receiver, whatever. Yeah. And just having that that opportunity for Ben Johnson, like I, I I can't imagine any other scenario on that list being more enticing to an offensive minded guy than the Falcons. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I'll yeah I'll I'll move away from the Falcons. We'll go into the last big firing in the NFL, um, at least that happened this week. Um, and that is another really long tenured guy. There's been a lot of coaches who've been there forever who are no longer going to be there and that guy is Mike Vrabel um what Josh what do you think about the where the Titans go from here and potentially where Mike Vrabel goes from here as a potential candidate for the Patriots I, yeah I mean you keep on hearing Jared Mayo the most but yeah. Vrabel's I, I still don't understand this one I do not understand this you just had a good game beating the Jets what is he supposed to do like you traded AJ Brown away you know you've He's developing a rookie quarterback in Will Levis this year. You know, you gave him Malik Willis. You gave him these three quarter. You keep on drafting different quarterbacks, not giving him the right choice. He doesn't have major offensive weapons. Kaichi Spears is nice rookie running back. It seems like Derrick Henry is leaving. But what do you want from this guy? You trade away half the pieces on this team. What do you What do you want from me? It, this is one of the best five coaches in the league. It's an absolute insanity. I, I can't even think about who they're going to hire because I still think the best guy to have is Mike Rabel. I don't understand this firing at all. It's absolutely asinine. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's really interesting, just a lot of the conversation around it in terms of why it happened. Because a lot yeah. of it was kind of like, there's rumblings of it's like, was it a power struggle? Did he, was Vrabel, because I, I know there's it's pretty well known that Vrabel was not happy about the whole A.J. Brown trade. Um, of course not. Yeah, so, and, yeah well, exactly. Um and in terms of how the roster management has been, um, and you almost wonder if um, the ownership over there is just like, well, that's that's enough. We don't want to have um, we want to have somebody who's doesn't have that big of a voice. And that's not that's never a good move for an organization. And I think to to some extent, I mean, it's not like the Titans have been the most fearsome franchise in the last couple years, but they're not that far removed from, like, going to the AFC Championship, being a constant contender in the playoffs. Um, like, it was only a couple years ago that I believe they were the two seed. Um, so, yeah, he's I mean, last year they had the one seed they did with the Jaguars that they blew it. Yeah. And it's the... Because um, Vrabel is obviously, he's proven himself as a great coach. And 
obviously when you've been at, in one organization so long, like the questions are eventually going to come up on when change is needed, but it does feel a little bit mistimed. I think, it, it I think maybe I'm not, I'm not like as frustrated about it because I can see wanting to like kind of change out, like with Derek Henry going, like it is seemed like a period of transition for them. Yeah. But I do, I do, I do feel like they almost should have given him one more year. It feels like a year too early. If you have another repeat, four or five win season, then I can see it. But this does feel like a, like a step too early. Yeah, and, you know, just looking at um, the online side of things, you're looking at a guy like Kellen Moore, for Kellen Moore's name, quite a few times the Chargers, obviously Eric Benemy has been around here. Aaron Glenn, who is not the Detroit coach we're hearing a lot about, the defensive coordinator, mm. former secondary. I can't remember if he was safety or corner in the NFL right now. It's been a while. Uh, Antonio Pierce, they asked for an interview with him. And over my dead body, uh, <laughs> we'll get to in a bit. But I, I, I believe the Raiders blocked that. So I, I and I don't think Antonio Pierce makes sense for what this team is right now. It makes sense if they're going to get someone. It makes sense to get a young coach because, like you kind of talked about with the Commanders, Caleb, come in, work with Will Levis, and it's going to kind of be whatever next year. And let's just kind of figure this out together. Yeah, it's going to be because I mean you can go you can go one of two ways. I think. With both the Commanders and the Titans, because I think getting rid of Rabel signals that they're kind of positioning themselves for a rebuild, that they are kind of thinking it's time to kind of tear down. Maybe you keep Levis and develop him and then build a roster around him. Um, so I think you go either one of two ways. You kind of get a bridge guy in terms of kind of taking a risk on a, on a coach that you think may or may not work out. And then if it doesn't, whatever, it was kind of a wasted year anyways. Um, I'm kind of thinking like what the Texans did with Lovey Smith, where that was very clearly like a bridge. Um, or not Lovey, who is the other guy? They Like David Cully, whatever, whatever that mess of yeah. a couple of years was. Um, the You could do that, or you could just, um, you could you could try to build around a coach. And e either way, I, I do think it's just going to be a lost year anyway. So the Texans, or not the, the Texans, the Titans, I think, are going to be, they're kind of were one, one of the most forgettable teams for me this season anyways and i think they're going to continue to be that for one yeah. to two more years but hopefully they can start building something um around will levis because i think he showed a lot of promise and hopefully they can get someone who can help nurture that um you brought it brought up antonio you brought up antonio pierce josh i'll let you just fly right into that once we, we're starting to talk about oh, some perfect. of the vacancies that are already open so i'll let i'll just let okay. you on the floor i mean for the it, it's not it's it, it's a harbar pierce decision there's no other decisions with Vegas. This is the other team that, I mean, I guess the Titans are a team that Ben Johnson's not going to go to, but Raiders aren't considering Ben Johnson either. Ben Johnson may would like to go to the Raiders potentially because uh, there is weapons there, but this is a Harbaugh or AP decision. It's not close. You see the picture right up. This isn't about X's and O's anymore. This is about culture. The Raiders have been in the doldrums of the NFL for 20 years and lost who they were. And they found who they were in these last, nine games now when you have marcus allen you have uh charles woodson and uh all these ex-raiders in the locker room with the current players it's about setting the culture of what it's supposed to be to be a raider this is one of those legendary teams of the packers the cowboys and they've been lost and they've been terrible the last few years and he's reestablished that and you have guys i mean you guys on the outside we Josh Jacobs took forever to come back here, right? Terrible decision by McDaniels not to pick up his option. Uh, you've seen guys like Max Crosby who's super frustrated about losing. 
Devontae Adams, trade rumor, trade rumor, trade rumor. You know what happened when Josh Batangos left? No more trade rumors leaving for Devontae Adams. This is the team that wants to play. Jimmy Garoppolo, who was benched, said, I don't care. I play for AP. And obviously he's getting $20 million plus to sit on the bench. So I'm sure he's happy with that. But this is a different <laughs> team. You bring a guy like Jack Johnson, who completely changed his game in the offense. The Raiders went from giving up 25 points a game to 15 points a game on the defensive side, led by Max Crosby. Spillane did a good job. Coombs did a good job. It's a no-brainer for Vegas. You bring back AP because yeah. if you don't, Caleb and Simon, the players are going to revolt against you. It, it, it will be yeah. a bad scene. In, even if you're being hard by in, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I think the most important thing you touched on there is the culture aspect of it. Because yeah. even thinking even thinking to um, what we talked about at the top of this segment with Pete Carroll, that's what made Pete Carroll such a good coach is because yeah. those players wanted to play for him. Like you Much talk like about, Campbell. like you talk, yeah, you exactly, exactly. One of the best head coaching hires we've seen in the past five years. That is how you build a team. The offense, like the whatever side of the ball you come from, that strategy is important, and we've obviously seen that work um, with kind of more strategy-focused minds like Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, list the list the names. But I think the culture is ultimately what's most important for a head coach, because the other roles you can kind of delegate, but the culture fit—that's about the guy up top. And so we've yeah. seen that instant turnaround with Antonio Pierce. It was. It was instant. As soon as McDaniels was gone, you see just yep. the spirit of that team change. And that's something you can't take away. And I, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this because I know I know we've heard Mark Davis talk about how disappointed he was um, in himself that he didn't hire Rich Bisaccia after what Bisaccia did um, in very similar situation, taking over for John yep. Gruden and then the team instantly kind of rebounds, doesn't hire him. Um, hires Josh McDaniels. We all know how that went. Um, do you think that that is kind? Of, it's kind of enough to prompt him because there's always the fear, right, that he's not going to go with the obvious move. Yeah, I think that's a big factor too, and the fact too he listened to the players because the players can't have a told him to fire McDaniels, right? Devontae and Max yeah. and the leaders of the so you got to fire this guy. Like it's just not working, and the players are the ones in the media being vocal. It has to be AP. So. And what they did not bringing back Passaccia and how everything kind of fell apart with Derek and a team that was a playoff team. This is a team that has really talented. You have two all-pro players on this team as of this year right now with A.J. Cole and Max Crosby. And let's be honest, Devontae's still a top-10 receiver. Josh Jacobs is a top-10 running back. Jacob Myers is a top, what, 15, 20 receiver. Uh, quarterback will be a discussion they have to figure out. I like AOC, but obviously maybe want to solidify that position a little bit more. But – to, sorry to long-wind it. Uh, obviously, with our two teams, a little more passionate. Uh, but yeah, they the Rich Passaccia thing was especially too. Rich Passaccia wrote out personal notes at the end of the year for each of his players. They were all behind him. You can't you can't give something like that. I'm bringing a guy in like Jack Jones, who was cut by the Patriots, an AP guy, and played like a dog for him. And that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff you're gonna get. For, I, maybe you don't have to do a long coach because the same two people got to remember Mark Davis isn't like some of these other owners where he's flushed with cash and he's still going to pay John Gruden I think he's got one more year paying Jack Del Rio and he's going to be playing um, McDaniels for another five years so he doesn't have all the money in the world so yeah go get a John Harbaugh and give him another 
eight-year deal. Or get Antonio Pearson, give him two, three-year deal. At the end of the day, Antonio Pearson is the, the guy from Compton, California. He grew up with NWA and grew up with the Raiders, like a lot of us that became Raider fans, and just wants to see the Raiders come back. When he had that embrace, the first pitcher that Simon showed, with the Raiders at the end of that game, that was the antithesis of everything that he has talked about of being a Raider. Yeah. Because, really, like, with everything that Antonio Pierce has done in however many games it's been, he's been, like, only nine, nine. games with the Raiders. It's, yeah. like, he has embodied what that Raiders culture is supposed to be like. Like, yeah. that, that even, even more than anything. Lost, yeah, even the games we lost, yeah, we went toe-to-toe with Miami. Peak Miami, yeah. healthy Miami. We went toe-to-toe with that Miami team. And we didn't win, but it came down to the very end. The Minnesota game still frustrates me personally, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're talking. Hopefully, I get a chance to come back in here and uh, we have a chance because I, I think much like with your team, Caleb, and with my team, these are teams that could very easily, with the right situations, be back in the playoffs next year, like they were the prior year. Well, for you, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. We'll we'll transition over to the one last. We kind of touched on the Chargers already, so I won't. Um, go on that for too long there's one last vacancy in the nfl we got to talk about um and that's just kind of the question who the hell would ever want to take the panthers job weirdly ben johnson's connected to them i mean so the running back situation is an absolute cluster uh, they try to bring miles sanders in there and try to make that work um feeling was nice they don't really have a reliable receiver there migos was okay uh, Mingos was okay at times. Um, I like the defense still in Carolina with, with Burns there. Bryce, man, I I don't know. It, it, it looked there was two games he looked good. Caleb, two. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think you can like the thing with the Panthers is I think it was just such a disaster. Like I don't know. I'm not I'm not ready to make any judgments on Bryce Young. Yeah, I I'm. I think you got to have a little bit more patience with that, but it is going to be so tough because I think the biggest thing, like you go over their roster and like you said, you can find some pieces that are enticing guys like Brian Burns, like you mentioned, like there's good pieces, but the biggest thing that I think, and it's something that Bill Belichick preached um, is if you're a head coach, the most important thing is that you have a good owner and you're ensuring that and with and david tepper yep yeah, um throwing drinks on the jacksonville fans and whatnot um if i'm a head coaching candidate and someone who's relatively this is why i say like you say ben johnson's connected to them and i laugh because ben johnson is yes it's someone who has options and he's not going to if yeah. anybody has options um the option they're going to choose is going to be not carolina um that kind of yeah. makes the decision if you've got two options to go for a head coaching spot and one of them's Carolina, your decision's already made for you. I think that's just how bad it is, especially with how um, impatient David Tepper has been. Because it's not just the attitude um, around the team with all the like throwing drinks and tantrums and whatever he's been, all of that terrible garbage that Panthers fans have had to endure. It's also just the impatience, like fry, firing Frank Reich 11 games into the season. Um, they He's just proven as such a quick trigger to fire coaches. And I know like Frank Reich only won one game in, out of 12. Bad situation. But did he deserve to get fired fa- faster than Urban Meyer? Like that's, no. that's 
and even like I um, was listening to a podcast and they pointed this out um, is that it isn't just an NFL thing it's David Tepper also owns I believe an MLS team and he has fired he's only owned these teams for a few years and he's fired two coaches on his MLS team and two coaches on the Panthers already hasn't been that long so if I'm a, if I'm a coach I'm thinking I've got almost like no job security here because this is already a terrible situation. They're going to be losing a lot um, just because the roster isn't quite there. Do I have an owner that's okay with that? Because I don't think you do. So that that's why I'm like, if you're going to the Panthers, you're going to have to bring in a guy that's like um, super, um, who's, who's, you're going to have to bring in a guy who, um, isn't one of these top coaching candidates because none of them are going to want to go here. You're going to have to take a shot on a guy to say, like, hopefully this guy works out because he's not going to be wanted anywhere else. Let's just take a shot on Zoran guy because I don't think anybody's going to want to go to Carolina. It's a rough, rough situation there. And to yeah, jump in here... Kind of more before I... Or actually, I'll let you okay, go ahead because I'm almost... No, I'm almost trying to transition out of Carolina. So I'll let you make a last point. Okay, all I was going to say really quickly is before I got on here, Kellen Moore was connected. Sorry, Simon. Oh, no, I was just going to ask, because the one name I've heard, I think, a hundred times here is Ben Johnson. But I don't think we've really labeled him necessarily to one team. It feels like there's always one guy ahead of him on the chart. So I'm curious if either of you guys really have a spot that you think Ben Johnson is going to end up, for sure. Falcons. Falcons? Yeah, Falcons. They don't do Belichick Falcons. And then, if not... If, if Belichick goes to the Falcons, then Chargers as well make a lot of sense. Yep. That that would probably be my exact order, too, because it's just like if I'm looking at Ben Johnson, it's just like I'm looking for a team with a broken offense that has pieces that can be fixed. Falcons yep. are the number one thing for that. And then Char- Chargers with Herbert, obviously, are the number two because the other ones are just a work in progress. I would even say like a sleeper team – might be my Seahawks um, because I'm obviously you need to get better. What you could do, yeah, like you might. Mm-hmm. You might because the defense is a huge issue, and that's going to be your number one concern because I think the offense has significantly outplayed them this year. But it also looked stagnant at a lot of the points with one of the most talented groups I've I've seen just based on pure like list of names on the team yeah. um, because that offensive line as bad as it was still has Charles Cross first round pick like a bunch of uh, Abe Lucas who played really good in his rookie season um, Damian Lewis who has been pretty decent in his um, I guess close to like three or four years in Seattle now and then they're probably going to use another um, couple high draft picks on an offensive lineman like there's lots of tools there and that's kind of a sleeper pick I think Falcons and Chargers are probably the number one and two slots but I would almost yeah. slot Seahawks in right after that. And you know, too, with that, with the Seahawks side of things, is, too, of what he's been able to do with Monty and with Gibb, to do that with Walker and Charbonnet, because if you come into the season, and if you had Walker and you're in the keeper league, everyone's like, you can't keep Walker. They got Charbonnet. And three chances I got to see Charbonnet, I was impressed, but they never really used Charbonnet correctly. And for what he's been able to use, Gibbs as I think you could use Charbonnet as that and you're going to see too there with the Seahawks JSN is going to probably move to wide receiver two and all respect to the legend Lockett it's going to probably move down to three JSN could be number one by next year more than likely because mm-hmm. um, DK does have those fumbles we all know DK has those fumbles every once in a while uh, but that is a that is a sleeper team Dan Campbell's the safe pick for them 
but absolutely. I, I think Ben Johnson in Seattle could be really, really interesting. Yeah, and I would almost be more excited about that too because I'm if I'm thinking Dan Quinn is obviously the the name that's been linked, but that kind of feels like a little bit too much hey. of what we already felt. It's very safe. Yeah. And if I'm a, if I was gonna say if I'm a Seahawks fan, no no shit. If you've watched this podcast <laughs> before, um, um, as a Seahawks fan who has um, watched and um, obviously loved, especially the early years of the Pete Carroll era. Um, I have, Pete Carroll has been my coach for the last, um, for not for the, for the entire time I've watched this team. I've watched this team since I was nine years old and he's been my coach that entire time. And while it has been fantastic and obviously brought us a Super Bowl, I am kind of looking for something different and to go with Dan Quinn. I don't think I'm getting that. And I, was... I may get in defensive improvement. I may get something else, but I'm not getting something that different. And I was going to point out as well, it feels like even in Dan Quinn's last couple head coaches, or la especially his last one, in, I believe it was Atlanta, with that one having so many, not a lot of success around there. I don't know why, personally, he's the number one guy to come back for Seattle. I understand there's the, like you said, he's the safe pick. He's the guy who everybody, you already know what you're going to get out of him, but I kind of agree with you on that one, Caleb, where it's, I kind of want to see something different if I'm with Seattle on this one. I, I actually like Ben Johnson. I think you're bringing in something new. So I agree with you there. Yeah. Well, Dan went to the Super Bowl with the Falcons. Obviously, that was like the highlight he had. But a lot of people can yeah. that to Kyle Shanahan <laughs> more than almost Dan Quinn. Yeah. And, I mean, there's, there's, there's positives in terms of what Dan Quinn's done with the Cowboys. I think that's kind of – because with, with Dan Quinn's initial success – um, you can always attribute it to someone else. Like you said, Falcons tenure, Kyle Shanahan was on the staff. Um, Legion of Boom, just the, the, the overwhelming talent of that defense, plus Pete Carroll. Um, that's true, but I feel like yeah. um, even before Micah Parsons really started to break out, you saw significant improvements yeah. in the Cowboys defense because of you what did. Dan Quinn brought to the team. Um, so that, that does kind of like, that's why if they hire Dan Quinn, I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to be mad, but it does feel like a little bit of a yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a, a great pick. Yeah, he, he um, probably if, if I had to nail it down, I would pick Dan Quinn for the Seahawks. But Ben Johnson is an exciting pick if you're a Seahawks fan. Where you know, let's be honest, those offenses other than Marshawn were never like light you up exciting. It was the Legion of Boom yeah. that did it. And as you were saying, Caleb, like, this is the first time. It's like we get a lot of weapons. Like this is an exciting offense. Yeah, it almost feels like it's bringing me back to like 2019, like last prime. Rust year. That's other than the Super Bowl years. Like that was the most exciting year of Seahawks football that I remember watching. It's just when they fully unleashed Russell Wilson and all that he could do in the league. And obviously the wheels fell off, and um, he started playing a lot more poorly throughout the future. But those first few games were so enticing, and I've just they were. I'm I'm I really wish like I'm wishing for a team with a good offense. So I think if we can get Ben Johnson, that would be incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, we've hit on all I the think, teams then. I think that's it. Yeah, I, I think we have. That's a completed the coaching carousel. Wow. Love it. Only I, took I was us... say one more thing. No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say if Mark Davis is listening to this, please hire AP. Please just make <laughs> the torture. Please. 
that that's yeah. the final message right there hire ap <laughs> all right Please. yeah well josh thanks for coming on for sure it was a lot of fun I, I was i was more than happy to let you guys carry this one it was a lot of fun being able to listen to you guys just go off on this so we've got nhl coming up next right after this one so moving back into the nhl now Gauthier, a younger prospect who was who was in the Flyers organization, requested a trade and ended up getting moved over to the Ducks. Which normally, while it is the trade itself was pretty big in the last week or so since all of this has kind of gone down, the trade hasn't necessarily been the thing that everybody's been talking about. It's mainly been the fact that Gauthier hasn't really. People are saying that maybe he didn't want to play for the Flyers, or maybe there's a lot of things floating around it. The trade itself is also very, very interesting. Obviously, we're seeing Jamie Drysdale in a second-round pick going back to Philly, which we're seeing a lot of people pretty happy about. I'm curious what you think, Caleb. If we want to start off, I'm jump going all over the place because I'm trying to hit everything on the intro, and there's a lot of layers to this one. Yeah. But uh, why don't we start off right at the trade? What did you think of it, Caleb? I mean, it's really interesting because, for me, these prospects, like especially especially Gauthier, because I'm I'm looking at him and I've heard his name in, dra in the draft and I've heard a couple things about him, but obviously hasn't had a chance to actually play for the Flyers yet um, and because I'm not too all locked in on Flyers hockey. Um, just know that he's an up-and-coming guy, like top top 10 pick. Um, could be something potentially, but that's all I know. I know Drysdale. Um, I think he's been dealing with a couple injuries, but it's otherwise been pretty good for the Ducks so far. Another, obviously, top 10 pick. Um, that's kind of just getting his feet under him. So two kind of, like, equally equal in value guys that are very interesting because you you never really see those kind of top five picks getting traded unless they've already kind of proven their salt a little bit. This is very much like a top prospect for top prospect mega deal, um, which I think is very interesting. And I think... Um, it kind of there's a couple of things that I want to touch on. The first thing is I was reading um, in an inter interview with Fly the Flyers GM saying that um, in the in the past um, what the Flyers GM had said was that um, Gauthier was the only untouchable on that team in terms of trade, and now went back on that obviously, which speaks to this whole situation, which we'll get into. And then I also think it's interesting in terms of. Um, I mean, we might as well get into the situation now. If the Flyers knew that Gauthier didn't want to play for them this whole time, and that obviously sparked the trade, because otherwise you're not going to see these kind of top prospects being swapped for each other, because they're going to want to see how their picks play out in their system before they make that kind of a move. Um, I think it's a great move by the Flyers to cut bait on Gauthier before this got out there that he didn't want to play for them and they could potentially get even less for him um, because they wouldn't have as much leverage. I think it is so because I think the flyers ultimately won the trade. I mean, it, it's, it, it's so tough to tell because these are two players who barely played in the NHL or not played in the NHL. So for me to say like, Oh, this team won the trade. It's like, well, you haven't seen either of them really play, but I think getting that extra second round pick is really key um because you're getting a prospect of about equal value in terms of where they were picked in addition to another pick for a guy who didn't want to be there that's impressive that is 
good leveraging what you have and trying to keep things under wraps and using your assets in the best possible way when the situation calls for it. So I think if just looking at the trade, we'll get into the whole does he want to play for didn't didn't want to play for the Flyers bit of it, but just in terms of how good of a move that is for the Flyers from the GM perspective, I think it's fantastic work. Like excellent move by them. Yeah, and I'm pretty high on Jamie Drysdale as a whole. I think that he's a very, very good defenseman. Like, uh, when he was on the Ducks, I was pretty... Like, he played... He managed to get, I believe... I can't remember if it was last season or the season before he was able to get quite a bit of time at the NHL level. And I think he... He's a very good, from what I saw, he's a very good offensive defenseman. He's pretty quick. He's good on the power play. And I think that's something that really adds to this Flyers team. So I'm excited to see that for them. And that second-round pick really just puts the puts the cherry right on top if I'm the Flyers, I think. So I don't know if I'm too mad. I think you're getting a prospect who... I mean, it just depends on how high you are... High, got, English is hard. How high you are on Gauthier as a whole after all of this and even before to really decide on whether who you think won this trade. I think at the end of the day, we're going to have to wait a little bit, see what ends up coming out of that second-round pick and all that. But I, at the end of the day, you can't be mad. I think both teams are going to be getting a really good prospect here, unless one of them just ends up being an insane bust. I, I don't know. I'm not too worried. If we want to get into it a little bit, because I think this entire thing has been a pretty interesting situation, to say the least, because a lot of different rumors have come out, but even Gauthier is... Gauthier has made sure to shoot down, especially the big egregious ones, but he hasn't also come out and announced any... He hasn't given his reason. He basically has just said, if I can, I'm going to read an exact quote here. It wasn't one specific reason why I asked for the trade. It was multiple reoccurring issues that I'd seen over the past year and a half, two years of being under the Flyers organization. It just kind of hit me all at once, thinking I can't move forward with this, and I really need to step up for myself and see what's best for my future, and that's what I did. So he he didn't really want to, and this is kind of what you expect from hockey drama, where nobody's going to, everybody's just going to kind of sweep it under the rug immediately after it happens like we're we're not going to hear about this for another 10 years probably if that if we even do because it doesn't feel like it's that big of a thing truthfully like i think at the end of the day it was it probably just came down to the fact that like the one thing you always hear especially under a coach for like tortorella immediately going straight to him obviously i don't want to immediately pick on him because whenever something happens with anything related to tortorella that's where everybody immediately points fingers but it feels like the type of thing where maybe he didn't like Tortorella's style, maybe something had happened with management, maybe something he didn't like how he he had been managed personally on whatever level. I it could be a whole it could be everything all at once, which is kind of what he's kind of alluding to here. But at the end of the day, a lot of the people in the Flyers seem to be pretty happy he's gone, which is the main interesting thing. And I think the the crazy thing, like you mm-hmm. said, it's almost impressive they were able to keep this genie in the bottle if you will for if this has been an issue for that long like they got a lot for a guy who i mean you don't want to put the blame necessarily if it has been a lot of issues stacking up and it just wasn't working for him it wasn't working for him right maybe there's not drama here just sometimes teams and players just don't match it's a fairly normal thing right you see it all the time but it feels like you could almost immediately look at this and think, eh, maybe Gauthier is a bit of a bit of a problem in the locker room, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
which yeah, maybe maybe a bit of a diva. Yeah, which is where where the thought is immediately, and why if this had came out before the trade happened, maybe they would have gotten a lot less, right? Like because it yeah. becomes a lot harder think... to trade somebody with that type of reputation. Yeah, and I I think that um, the main thing that I'm taking like, a couple things out of out of what you said. Um, first of all, I think it's important to kind of note that you said like sometimes players and teams just don't mesh and that just kind of happens sometimes not necessarily with uh with rookies because this is something it's not like it's completely unprecedented talk about the philadelphia flyers you think about eric lindros refusing to play for the nordiques and coming to philly um but it is like that's probably the last major time that that happened hey um it's something that's extremely uncommon because um, but if most you want to flame time, one, Adam Fox. <laughs> Although Adam Fox, true. Although that was a little bit less, um, yeah, a little bit yeah. less high profile. Yep. But um, it is very interesting um, to see a younger player kind of take this kind of initiative to be like, I don't want to play here, and it's impossible to judge whether that's a diva move or like a genuine concern for us on the outside because we don't know what. Um, is happening inside the Flyers locker room. Maybe there's genuine concerns about um, locker room culture, whatever it may be that Gautier had, where he's like, I literally cannot do this and I need to be moved to another team. And if that is true, I'm honestly all for him standing up for himself, um, especially as a younger player, someone who's 19, um, being able to do that, that is extremely impressive. If it was a genuine issue where you were like, um, this is something I, I can't handle. There's something rotten about this franchise from the core. I can't do this. Um, but then you don't know if it's a diva thing where it's like, was it just that um, there are certain like selfish needs that weren't being met? Like he wanted to get called up faster. Maybe the beaches in LA so... were just a little bit too attractive, you know? Yeah. Maybe he was a Pittsburgh Penguins fan growing up. Um, I've seen some people point out that he was a Pittsburgh Penguins fan growing up, which probably wouldn't. Probably no, that you wouldn't think but, so. Um, if the Oilers yeah, came knocking but, with a nine fifty nine hundred fifty thousand dollar contract, you'd be see, you'd see me in blue and orange real quick. <laughs> yeah, which is true. But I, yeah, I think um, I really hesitate because this whole thing, like you said, it is ho- it is hockey drama, really. I really hesitate putting a label on on um, this 19-year-old kid's character because of this one thing, because you can try to draw so many conclusions on it, but we don't know. We're not there. We don't know who's in the right. We don't know who's in the wrong. So I don't think it's fair to label him either way. I think it's just, it's just prudent to look at it from an angle of, obviously this wasn't working out for some reason, and so the fact that the Flyers got this a good return, great for them. The fact that Gautier was able to find a potential new landing spot, good for him. Yep, and I don't disagree with you. I, If we want to move away from all this and into a bit more of a funnier thing that people have been... I, I'm going to try and bring it up quick. Did you see the Zegras and Drysdale yes. comments? I'm trying to yes. find... I'm going to quickly try and find... Uh, what, what is it? He's, he's <laughs> find the his, exact... Uh, his exact quote he's missing his pissing buddy yeah missing his pissing buddy holy ain't that you know that that's a pretty good way to oh here we go i found it so everybody get your cameras out make sure to record me saying this so this is trevor zegris talking about the jamie drysdale leaving him 
which he was very sad about. We pretty much do everything together. We pee together. We get injured together. We sleep together. And, you know, like, there's a couple of things in there that I don't judge. Like, listen, like, it's, like, it's all okay. But peeing together is a little much. All right? <laughs> let's, let's, I, I didn't need to know that in a hockey game. I mean, Simon rest... is all, all for independent pissing. Simon is not for pissing in pairs. <laughs> Pissing in pairs is something Simon does not like. He, God, if Simon's going to take a, a stand against When anything... is this becoming a political episode? Holy crap. I, like, that, just to be clear on this one, I, mean, I have no issue with, any, on, I have no issue with anything pissing. else in there. But the funny thing that everybody keeps on pointing out is like, huh? <laughs> so, uh, like... <laughs> so, yeah, to end on a bit more of a funnier one, that quote came out of all of this, so... Even if it was, even if, like, at the end of the day, we find out in five years that Cutter Gauthier ended up being, like, somebody, he didn't like, like, the flavor of Gatorade the trainers were handing out, and so he went to the nice beaches of Anaheim or whatever, and that ends up being the story out of all of this. At least we know that we got the quote that both Zegris and <laughs> Drysdale pissed together. And, you know, that'll be one that'll live together. Poor Zegris. Like, <laughs> I mean... It's gonna I miss mean, friends can buddy. be temporary. Teammates, teammates <laughs> can be temporary, but pissing buddies are forever. You can't piss another, another quote. man and just break that chain. <laughs> another quote. Crack add, up add the cameras. To the, uh, add, add that oh. to the uh, to the trick play intro. Occasionally, we, oh I mean, that, that's how you that's how you get more viewers in this podcast. You talk about piss more often. That's what the the viewers are coming for. This high quality piss content. We've been recording for too long. <laughs> uh, play after dark, baby. Oh God! <laughs> I'm no. I'm shooting that one right brain now. Going. Yeah. Oh. Simon doesn't have you know what? Actually, sure. Brain I going, can. So it results in an infinitely funnier episode. <laughs> if if you've wondered why maybe my I sound like a bit more of a bumbling idiot on this episode, more specifically in this episode, is because I am trying to my. Uh, my what is it called new year's resolution is to go without caffeine for as long as i can which truthfully i don't know how long it's gonna last i am if you watch any of these podcasts especially on the youtube you will probably notice that i am hardly without a coffee a coffee or some sort of caffeinated drink and uh so i i'm trying to i'm trying to see how long i can last once we to be fair i'm doing this during a break when i'm not i haven't worked since january 1st which is definitely helping me out like i've just had to worry about school so but the second we get into work by like the third period of some of those hockey games i'll be calling it's just gonna be like and he passes and it's a goal <laughs> <laughs> just while i'm, I'm, I'm honestly impressed you've made it this long like i'm I, I don't what what are we we're I will eleven say, days into the I will year, say, but that's, that's I, kind of impressive. I'm I like, will throw I will like, throw out the fact before I say this that I'm talking out of my ass because I don't I don't drink, so I don't do not know the difficulties of dry January for anybody who participates in that. But I feel like the, the fact that like the fact that there are a lot of replacements for caffeine because I'm saying caffeine here, not sugar. You will notice like I yeah. I I am. I will say I am becoming a hot chocolate person. If anything is coming out of this, like hot chocolate is fantastic. Hot chocolate is fantastic. This isn't a hot chocolate. This is a tea. But I had this 
full. This is a big cup, by the way. Look at this is the side tea, of my head. Does tea have caffeine? Or are you doing decaf tea? Decaf tea. Oh yeah, no, I trust decaf me. Tea? I'm looking. Cool. I, I will say though, I will say the one the one exception I'm making though is the fact that like I think iced tea has like a very small amount of caffeine. Trace amounts of caffeine. Yeah, yeah. and like I will say That's I have fair. made an exception for that one. But like past that That's I have fair. been a good boy and I've stuck to it. I don't know I don't know if I'll make That's... it all the way through January. Cause truthfully, it's not a issue of that I feel like I need it because I feel like I'm kind of over the hard part. It's more just like if it starts impacting my work with, tr tr truthfully, if this ha shows anything. <laughs> like, it's certain cases where it's just like, we're recording at 11.55 because of just how things work out, and I have to call three games in a row, and it's just like, I have to do something, right? It's one of those things. Yeah. So I, that's going to be what breaks the breaks it for me if anything but yeah it's, if you've wondered especially in the goal. especially in our coaches segment you will notice that i was like i said at the end that was my break <laughs> i was more than yeah. willing to let both you caleb and uh josh go back and forth on that one i was like i'm good <laughs> yeah yeah no, like caffeine i i don't know i can't go without caffeine for that that's long, what i thought too. like it's a tool it's a tool that I'm gonna need at some point just to keep myself awake because sometimes I gotta do that. Like the last way, night, yeah, I pounded yeah. pounded back a double shot uh, Starbucks thing. Those things really kick you back into high gear. <laughs> I pounded back a double shot at 9 p.m. because I had um, a story due um, the next day, so I had to yeah. finish it like before I went no, to bed. And... and so I was like, "Fuck it, I'm doing this." Stayed up until 5 a.m. Got three hours of sleep. Uh, woke up for my 10 a.m. class. Oh got God. another coffee in the morning. Um, yeah. And no, I'm the same. Like, cause like just to yeah. show you, you like how. No, and yeah, for sure, and that's like the. It's just more the fact that like you mentioned, like sometimes you need it. Last semester, it was that was every single day just because of how busy I was, and it's just the type of thing where I I also am surrounded by people who. Like, uh, like my girlfriend, she doesn't drink coffee. She doesn't like drink. And to be honest with you, it's the type thing where like, she's, she's hyper enough. <laughs> she, she'll live. <laughs> but like, it's the, like, she lives without it. Like, uh, Amir is another person that you also know, Caleb, that where it's just like, he doesn't drink any yeah. coffee or anything, or at least not anymore. I don't think, I think he recently, we had a conversation about that and that part was partially why I decided to try it just to like give it a shot and it's just like i kind of get it like it's i kind of get like the the lifestyle i don't think i could do it like i think it's, i it's i could do it for you it's better I, for you i think i'll be cutting back on caffeine like as a whole i think what i i've been slowly trying to think it out in my head i don't think i'm going to be using it to wake up in the morning anymore i think that is more going to be my role i think i will I think say that's kind of the key yeah yeah i will say like uh I that being said, I have been drinking a lot of decaf coffees because I just like the I like the taste of coffee, like and that's the harder yeah. if I and that's exactly what I meant when I said uh, I mentioned hot chocolate, but like with uh, the fact that there's just like a ton of really good replacements compared to dry January, where like sure you can have like a like a non-alcoholic beer, but that's not gonna that's not why you're drinking a beer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I drink coffee. Half the reason is because I actually like the taste of coffee, so it's it, it tastes good. Yeah, well, I, I a lot of people don't like the taste of coffee, and I get it because it's one of those like it's an acquired I, taste. I, have I, to I, like, I love it. 
I have to. I I put a lot of stuff. I do too. To make it a lot less bitter. Because <laughs> I'm not I saying like, I don't. handle that, but I can. Like I I drink when I'm working tournaments. I drink coffee black usually. I or I'll throw like maybe I'll throw like one creamer in it because usually it has like at those tournaments they usually have like the crap sugar that isn't really sugar. You know what I mean? Yeah. So usually I just take it black. Maybe like I'll throw one cream in there or something, but like. Usually, like usually i'm a double double guy just because i like the taste of it like it's just i don't know so like i've just yeah. been drinking decaf coffees in the morning and it truthfully it's it's a way that i can for one still do it and not feel like i'm breaking routine to do it like it's i'm still <laughs> as crappy as it is i am spending less money i guess kind of because i'm going to tim hortons less which is a win <laughs> Well, that's a big thing for you, eh? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, big thing. I mean, you even look yeah. around. Well, you guys, the camera doesn't have a good. I'm not gonna show off my room. I I only clean this part of my room. room, tour, room, tour, room tour. I only clean this part of my room. But like, even looking like in this direction, I can see one, two, three, three, three Tim's cups. Like. <laughs> I mean, the one back there is a permanent one, but you know what I mean. Anyway. Yeah. Next segment. If Remember when the segment, segment was about hockey? Remember when the segment was about no, hockey? No, I, 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 I think we're wrapping it up before we're wrapping Simon it up. Cox. That's a good point. Well, I have to edit this afterwards. You think? <laughs> that's why I'm not too worried. I'm up oh, anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. All right. Next outro. Thank you, everybody, so much for tuning into this week's edition of the Trick Play Podcast. If you haven't already, um, if we didn't convince you with our terrific bit in the intro, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That would be fantastic. Um, if you guys are new, potentially coming over from... We got a couple of videos off last week. Holy... So if you're coming over from those and you're still, and you're still sticking around, first of all, thank you. Uh, but you can also check us out some other places. Uh, we got an Instagram, we got a TikTok, we got a Twitter, and if you also are a fan of audio podcasts, go to your Apple Podcasts, go to your Spotify, search up, boom, that name Ooh. in the center right there, Fresh Take Network. Um, that's where you can find us. So, um, yeah, with that, I will get into my shadow of the week. And my shadow of the week is, I mean, it's something I've, I've loved for a while now. Um, my friend Leah got me onto this stuff. It is absolutely fantastic. It is this Luigi's Italian ice. Now, it's, I don't know how quite to describe it. It's not quite ice cream. It's not ice cream. It doesn't have the same, like, kind of, like, milky, it, it, like, dairy part of ice cream. Um, is it, like, It literally gelato? does kind of just taste like, no, it's not. It doesn't have any sort of, like, there's no dairy in this. I don't even know what's in here. It's probably nothing good. <laughs> water, water, sugar, concentrated lemon juice, citric acid, natural flavor, and xanthan gum. Um, so I don't know what it, half of that stuff is, but whatever it is, it tastes goddamn good. Because it's kind of just frozen lemon water, but it's absolutely fantastic. And it's very fun, especially when you like peel open one to just kind of like scrape off the top layer because it's not all like 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 i don't know if you can kind of like see in here the lemon flavor is not a good one to demonstrate this with because it's the same color as the can but um you kind of got to like scrape your way to the bottom um 
I don't know how I can describe it. It's just such a fun little, like, a fun little size. And it's just fantastic all around. Yeah. I This is a new addiction I didn't think I'd have, but it's <laughs> fantastic. Pick it up you at know. your local grocery store. And speaking of ice, speaking of ice, <laughs> speaking of ice, my, my, Caleb, you are normally the person who's known here for negative shout outs or what have you reverse shout outs? What were you dubbing them? Anti shout outs. Anti shout outs. There you go. The Calgary weather, whoever planned this out. I don't, I don't know who to blame, whoever you want to blame on this one. Holy crap. If you haven't heard, if you're not from the Calgary area, I'll fill you in on this one because I've been living through it for the last day. Um, or you could just read it off the screen because that pretty well describes it. Tomorrow we're going to be seeing low temperatures of minus 35 to minus 40 with wind chills of minus 50. What the actual hell? Like, why do I live here? <laughs> I love yeah. you, Calgary, but you really have an easy way of making me hate you. Holy crap. I'm not going outside tomorrow. It ain't happening. It ain't no. happening. If I can I avoid mean, it, I will. I I can honestly give a shout-out to the Calgary weather because I just think it's fantastic um, <laughs> because I was in Calgary over winter break. I you, you guys can probably tell from my surroundings changing based on where I am. Um but the last day that I was in Calgary was when it started to get a little bit cold. On, like Italian frozen ice. That's the most Vancouver thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I actually I actually started doing this when I was in Calgary. It's it's, oh, really? it's a it's an Alberta <laughs> thing at heart. Yep. Um, but no, this is fantastic because it was like really warm over like the last couple weeks of December. It was like like plus five like maybe getting into like plus ten fantastic weather loved it um like short sleeve weather that kind of thing um and then as soon as i go away and it starts to get cold i go back to vancouver which is so warm like plus five to negative five at the very lowest well you suckers are suffering in negative 40. um it's absolutely fantastic it feels like i'm on vacation even though i'm really not um because i can look at all the people suffering over there and be like ha I don't have to deal with that. And then I am uh, when I do eventually come back to Calgary um, in a couple weeks' time, uh, the temperature's going to be fantastic again, looking at the forecast. So I kind of like the weather. It's 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 kind of all turning up uh, good for me. Credit to CTV News Calgary for this one. <laughs> to show how bad it's getting over here in Calgary. <laughs> oh, God. Like, it is not fun. <laughs> this is just a... This pretty well describes what it's like to be outside. Caleb, I don't know... In my entire life living here, this is probably the coldest temperature I think I've had to be outside for a long amount of time. And today it was only minus 40 with wind chill. Tomorrow it's going to be like minus 40 without wind chill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, just shout out, reverse shout out to that one. Thanks again, everybody, for watching. The last week was incredible. Like, uh, Caleb, we, we were talking about a bit after that. Like, uh, I don't think either of us have ne necessarily checked the YouTube Studios app or whatever it's called more in our entire lives because it was so it was a very cool being able to answer some comments that were in the down there as well i i love to go down there and debate all you guys i know caleb you're waiting for somebody to debate you on your seahawks like it's just yeah it's it's one of those things where it's just I very mean, cool to see 
I need to. I feel like I. I think I. I haven't used the Trick Play account in a long enough time to. I probably got auto logged out of it on YouTube. Um, I just need the password for that, and then I can start debating people and just saying like these insane things and just putting dash Simon at the end of it. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, play, oh, yeah. Eventually, I'll be like, I'll be reading comments like Simon's such an asshole. Holy crap! Why would Simon say that? Oh, just waiting for. Someone talk shit about the Seahawks and I insult their mother and claim it was you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Simon probably uh, I'm gonna yeah you know what this will just become a war from both sides after you say that you think I'm gonna give you the password <laughs> I could right. probably sent it to me before I could figure out what that is I'm logged into it on the YouTube studio app I, I, yeah. I can figure it out so from just there whatever you don't do don't shout it out loud thanks for watching Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, make sure to check out next week. Check out all the segment videos. Check out potentially all the shorts. I don't know if I'll have time this weekend. I didn't have time last week. Sorry about that for all the people who just tune in for the shorts. You kind of get the short end of the stick generally because that's usually the last thing I'll go to edit if I still have time. But anyway, uh, thank you anyway for the support. The you get the short end of the stick. You get the shorts end of the stick. Make sure to check out the Instagram you, and the Twitter. That's how you end a podcast. That's how you end a podcast. That's when you drop the mic and you leave the room. <laughs> Thanks for... Boom. Make sure to check out the Instagram and Twitter because that's where you find out all the new stuff and all that. I had a time because, yeah. Caleb screwed off. It's probably better. For the better. See you next week.